Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Okay, that's it. We're all done for. Yemen has declared war on Israel. That's it. I mean, Yemen has declared war on Israel. We're done. I mean, that's just World War III. It's just coming, right? Anyway. I was just looking up the, the uh, strength of the Yemenese military, and apparently it's not that big. <laughs> surprise, surprise. So there's Bill. So, yeah, so uh, I was just saying a second ago before before you called in, Bill, that, uh, oh, no, we're done for. Yemen has declared war on uh, Israel. That's it. world's going to end. We're all done for. <sighs> I'll just give it up now. All right, let's talk to Bill. Lantite Action Radio presents the Fetty Report. Good morning, Action Radio Land. School is in session. Your first class is Gregology. Theology of Greg? (laughs) That could be interesting. Yes, I'm majoring in Gregology. What is that? The theology of Greg. Okay, fine. And what is Greg talking about today? Well, Greg is going to speak in the third person for the entire rest of the show. Greg thinks that (laughs) that would be interesting. So what do you think, Bill? Yemen has declared war in Israel. Oh, no. What are we going to do? You know... Yeah, I've been reading a lot about this, and, you Uh know, there really seems like one of the main reasons why Hamas did what they did when they did had a lot to do with Israel just almost coming to uh, a full agreement with Saudi Arabia and Hamas just couldn't have that. And, That's interesting. Uh, it, I've been looking for reasons. I've heard that. It makes sense. Um, yeah. Tell me more. What do you think? So, yeah, I mean, it, it does make a lot of sense. And, you know, you can't have, if you get those two together, which, you know, Depending on what hat you wear, you put on your tinfoil hat. A lot of people think that Saudi Arabia has been pulling the strings all along. Uh, they've no, been I don't pulling think so. the strings of America all along. Nope. Not even close. I know, me and you are in disagreement with this, but. Um, yeah, oh, listen, just, if, you it, if you're in Josie's report, she disagrees with me every week for like the entire hour. <laughs> <laughs> it's hysterical. Greg, you don't understand. The military industrial, you know, the, the, the military police, or, or the, 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 the intelligent military, she calls it. I guess it's the intelligence community plus the entire military is going to take over the country and everything's going to be fine. They're going to put Trump back in and then, we're, then they're going to leave and leave, leave power just like that. I'm like, Josie, I don't think so. Anyway, so go ahead. Feel free to join the, the Josie band. Yeah, so she, no, yeah, disagree with me as much she, as you she, want. <laughs> yeah, me and, me and her had that argument a couple of weeks ago inside her store. <laughs> So, oh, yeah, you so, are the yeah, one. Me and her. She mentioned she mentioned you by name. That's kind of interesting. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So me, yeah. me and her had that discussion, and I'm just like, mm-hmm. and I go, first of all, I don't want to see it to happen, even if it uh-huh. could happen. The second of all, it won't happen because uh, the minute that happens, this country is done. Oh, I, of course. I don't care if it's yeah. Trump in office or not, it's done. Yeah. And, well, and I'm I'm not giving up on America yet. 
well, of course not. You're part of Action Radio. We're not only not giving up on America, we're trying to fix it and, and uh, create laws that uh, strengthen it in ways that uh, people can use those laws against the powers that are trying to steal it. Now, the biggest problem we have now is we have an illegal government. The government was stolen, and nobody cares that can do anything about it. That's the biggest problem right now. And so that's why the title of the show, you know, World War III is Good for Business. What I have here, uh, to the illegal government of Brandon Obama, that's what I'm calling, that's what I'm calling the, the person in the White House, Brandon Obama, to the illegal government of Brandon Obama, World War III is just good business. So that, that's what it comes down to. They don't care. They're completely unaccountable. So the more money they can take from American taxpayers and give to their friends, it's, it's a theft after a coup, which was, in fact, a theft. So there's no, there's no morality in this. There's no, they don't have to justify anything. They just do whatever they want. And the people that can't stop them don't. Supreme Court's not kicking them out of office. You know, the Congress isn't cutting their budget to nothing. They're still there. They're still doing what they're doing. It's good. And, and war is good business. And they don't care how many people are killed. They don't care how many Ukrainians are killed making them money. They don't care how many American soldiers are killed in, in any of the wars we've had from, uh, from Korea on. They didn't care about the soldier deaths in Korea or Vietnam or Iraq or Afghanistan or who knows what happened in Ukraine or, or who may be killed in Israel. They don't care. This is just business to them. And part of their business is stealing the government. That's just like a, like a hostile takeover. <laughs> if, I, if I can make well, you, up a phrase there. You, you, you know what's uh, kind of interesting is World War I and World War II, uh, economy thrived during those wars. And the reason why was because there was a lot of people who never worked that went to work, and we were making stuff here in America. Um, every war after World War II, the economy has crashed during war. Oh, it crashed after uh, – it didn't do well after World War II. I mean, it did for a while. I mean, the 50s were good. It no, was I'm saying during. During. Uh, during the war – well, during the war, it had rationing in World War II. I don't know what they did in World War I. World War I never should but, have been fought. But the, the actual economy itself, the economy uh-huh. itself did um, um, increase. If you if you look at all the numbers and whatnot, uh, during uh, because manufacturing was at all time high because we were making stuff here in America. Well, there was all stimulus. Uh, that, though. It was all printed money. It, it was it was an, it was all Keynesian, you know, government stimulus spending. If the government spends money, the economy grows. Well, no, it doesn't, because that money came from taxpayers, and they ultimately have to pay back, you know, the cost of the money borrowed plus the the cost of the inflation it causes through higher prices. So it's very temporary. But you're right. I mean, the economy did grow during the during the wars, but it's very temporary. It's, it, Keynesian is always a temporary benefit followed by a crash. Uh, Vietnam caused but the, the if you horrible look at, economy in the seventies. Yeah, if you look at if you look right. at every war since then, uh-huh. when it go, when a war is announced, the economy crashes, and that and that's because of the way that the uh, money is being redistributed. And going back to exactly your point, is okay. war you know is that we're not making stuff here in America anymore. War is now about the elite getting more money, and the elite Whoa. is just holding their money. The defense contractors make money. I mean, who makes money in war? The bankers make money because they loan money. The, uh, the, the, the Fed makes money because they, they loan money to the government. Uh, the government prints money, and their friends make money. Uh, the Congress makes money through insider trading of military contracts. I mean, everybody makes money in this, uh, except uh, the people that should. And it's always done in another country. See, the, the thing about World War I and World War II is that we were directly involved. These other wars, yeah, we were there, but the country wasn't involved. You know, I mean, these wars were like separate. I, when I got here in 1972, the United States, we were at war in Vietnam. And I'm looking around going, okay, where's the evidence of war? 
I know what war looks like from from uh, all the specialists I've seen in World War II. I, I remember the London Blitz in Australia. We talked about it because the Japanese were in northern Australia. And there are people that, like, I was going to school with kids whose parents fought in that war, or at least their grandparents. You know, and they, they saw the Japanese in their country in World War II. So it was very personal for Australians. Um, but here, all of a sudden, there's this war, and nobody knows, nobody cares, no one talks about it, there's no evidence of it. It was very strange to me. And that's when I first learned about these, these foreign wars that uh, it's, it's a business. It's just, it's just business. Correct. It's really scary. It, it is. It, it, it's a business, and, uh, you know, you got the CIA running drugs through it. Yep. Uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's just, it's just, yeah, it's, it's all business. It really is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to kind of segue away from that for a minute, but sure. still talk on the subject of business because that's something I keep teasing for the last couple of weeks. And it's just getting worse and worse, and that is the business of customer service in the, in our country. Hmm, interesting. Uh, okay. Segue yeah. away. So, <laughs> So um, once COVID hit and businesses decided to shut down um, and do the great reset. They were, they were most, a lot of them were told it wasn't an option. They wouldn't have shut down otherwise. Well, I mean, we we didn't shut down and we weren't going to no matter what. Uh, So I I had your health, you were essential, but like Walmart offices did shut down. Not everyone shut down. They didn't have to. Well, that's what I'm saying. Why would doctors shut down in a health crisis? Isn't that, isn't that when you need them the most? That's like the plumbers going on strike during a flood. I mean, come on. Give me a break. Correct. Yeah, so um, so what what ended up happening is everyone went to go work at home. They, uh, you, know, you know, companies magically were able to route calls to people's homes, uh, and everything was supposed to be copacetic and working really fine and you know we saw an actual spike um in work from home a huge spike and a lot of people uh left the retail industry and decided to take jobs that were work from home um Mm -hmm. and so the work you know so the call centers and whatnot really saw a nice huge spike um you know customer service amazon saw a nice huge spike uh, especially with their deliveries uh, but what you end up seeing is what was supposed to be people working harder and more efficient because they weren't being bogged down by other people ca- calling and you know talking to them during working hours. We actually <laughs> saw customer service over the phones get drastically worse. Hmm. Um, you, you know, my, my, me myself, you know, I'm in the healthcare industry. I call insurance companies. I had to you know call tech support. And over the last two or three years, when I call, the first thing I I hear is, "Please be patient while we're working from home." And this whole <laughs> work for from home thing has really gotten horrible because what has happened is that people working at home, they're more comfortable at home, obviously, and so they end up communi- they end up taking longer and getting the personal conversations over the phone because you're at home. That's what you do. Oh, they're on you're social in the media, the refrigerator's right there. Oh, of course, home is, I, I love working, I yeah. work at home, I love working at home, yeah. Yeah, and, and so, but when you're working in the office, you're more focused, you you, you know, you don't do personal conversations because other people could hear, you know, your, Boy, your neighbor in the next cubicle over could hear. You're watching, um, so you end up, watched. <laughs> you yeah, exactly, so you, end up work, you work more. Yeah. And so, you know, whole times went way worse, I mean, hmm. just horribly worse, the connection of communication went way worse. 
yeah, I mean, just everything has gone straight downhill, and you know, and so, and there's a, you know, there still is a huge fight, and there's been huge walkouts, and people still quitting because companies are forcing them to go back into the office. <laughs> um, That's kind and, of funny, which is causing even greater customer service concerns, um, you know, as far as call centers go, because you're well, waiting even longer on hold. And the other issue mm. is, like, for me, if I have to call my tech support about something because uh, our system's down or whatever, mm-hmm. they, no, it's no longer turning to your neighbor, hey, do you know how to fix this problem? It's, hold on, I got to go into the chat room and see if someone can respond to me, which takes even longer. So this, the work-at-home thing has completely failed, um, in which, yeah, I'm going to segue because um, a new story just popped up this morning, you know, talking about business again. You know, mm-hmm. over the last couple of weeks, you've heard about nurses striking. You've heard about, um, the you you know, the workers, uh, the car manufacturers striking. I know about the car uh, manufacturers. You know, I didn't know about the nurses. The nurses is new. What, what's going on with that? Well, they've they've been walking out for three years now. Uh, I mean, it's just that's what they do. They, well, they, they want to work at home, out, too? They, Sorry. <laughs> no, they, they they just want one or two extra workers to help them out. Um, and and the problem with hospitals, hospitals are the most poorly ran organ companies in America. Uh, I, I'm telling you, it's well, right they now. Well, under COVID, when they killed people for $150,000 no. on the remdesivir no. well, well, yeah, death march, money. they made they're money then. Money. Right. But, yeah, That's but true. they... They lose money. Hospitals lose money. And the only huh. way they stay afloat is off a of taxpayer grant. Oh, that's interesting. That's how, every, that's how every hospital stays afloat. No hospital makes money. And they run a very tight budget, and they have to run tight budgets. But, you know, and for example, and what you're seeing right now is these hospitals are expanding like crazy. They're buying up everything. And then Why? in the meantime, because – it's competition, you know, you know, survival of the fittest right now. One one hospital starts buying, so the co- competitive hospital has to buy also, even if they can't afford it. Um, huh. And what you're seeing is a bunch of layoffs now because all these hospitals are overbuying, and they're buying non, you know, not profitable clinics, um, or they buy clinics of doctors who are on the older side and looking to kind of slow down. So therefore, they're not seeing the patients that are necessary in order to keep that uh, business profitable the same way as when that doctor was a sole proprietor because he, he had to make sure it's profitable in order to survive. Now he doesn't care. He doesn't see as many patients. Um, and once you get corporate involved, you know, the, even the employees don't seem to care as much as they did when they, cared, when they had that personal connection with that doctor. Um, and you're seeing that across the board. And now you're starting to see it for whatever reason uh, in the pharmacies. That's the latest one. Pharmaceutical techs are walking out of pharmacies and protesting because, quote, unquote, they're overworked. Uh, If you've been to a pharmacy lately, you'll see that, you know, I mean, every pharmacy I've been in, there's been more than enough staff. Mm -hmm. Um, But but I'm I'm accrediting this all to one thing and one thing only, Greg. And that's that? George Bush's behind. Oh, that's because How's that kids, connected? Because, because kids were not trained to work hard. Uh, they were trained to, get, to just do enough to get by in school. 
and they didn't even have to pass in order to graduate. You know, they just had to they just had to do enough to get by. And we're seeing them in the workforce today. And these are the ones who are pouting. These are the ones, oh, I'm working too hard. I can't look at my cell phone 20 times a day because I'm so busy working. I need a new job. Well, why do you attribute that to George Bush, though? That because, I mean, this has been added to with the liberal schools for a long time. You've got, uh, in fact, they purposely dumb students down. They're, 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 they're killing the, the black population in this country with ignorance. Uh, all the schools in the, 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 quote, inner city. You know, we used to call the ghetto, right? So all these inner city schools that are run by Democrats, uh, the black kids, they can't do math. They can barely speak English. And, and this is on purpose so that they'll be victims the rest of their lives and vote Democrat. So you want to – so it's not just – I don't know if George Bush – I mean, I'm not sure exactly what the program was about No Kid Left Behind, but it's, it's like no kid you know, can think is what it sounds like. No kid has to struggle or work hard or do anything. But what exactly did the program do? Did it give money to you know, make everybody you know, pass their grade? What, what exactly did it do? So the No Kid Left Behind, uh, in the nutshell, was basically if you flunked, you could only flunk like one time, and you know, so that way you stay within your same age group. Um, you only flunk one you know, whether, time. You flunk, you flunk. You know, so, Work harder. Yeah, no, no. It, it's not that way. Even if you were, even if you couldn't pass fifth grade, if you reach a certain age, you moved on no matter what. Now, is this in the you Department of Education? To, is this a mandatory program? Wait, where is no, this they, now? They, they let you move forward, right, and that's the way that. it was. Now there's more specialty schools and stuff like that, and so things uh-huh. are starting to change a little bit. But we're we're talking about a whole generation that was part of the no kid left behind and everyone gets a trophy. They kind of go hand in hand. That everyone gets a trophy, George no Bush, kid though. left behind. Well, it was what about George the, uh... Bush. He was the one who passed it. Oh, okay. And I'll what, tell you right uh, now, I grew huh. up in the Chicago school system. Well, it's actually Elgin school system, which is hand in hand with the Chicago school system. Right. And I still communicate with people from there. There's no victims. I mean, yeah, you always have some victims, but for the most part, all of us work extremely hard. Hmm. You know, I mean, and, you know, we're hard workers, and we grew up in a liberal area. We grew up in a horrible school system, but we were still taught to work hard, and we had to pass classes, and the teachers cared. You know, I mean, granted, I mean, you can't compare our generation to what's happening now. Because what's happening now is just – it's just insane what's happening right, right now. Um, but, you know, even the liberals back in our day weren't as hardcore as they are today. They still believed in hard well, work. They liberals. still believed in you uh, passing and getting good marks, and they still cared about kids. Nowadays, you know, teachers are more cared about looking good and being friends with kids. Or, or, or their, their uh, beach trips to, uh, you know, <laughs> to Rio de Janeiro when the, when the COVID when the code thinks you know closes schools they still got paid in full they still they were on, they went on vacation that's what that's a lot of teachers care about now which is really too bad um, but what there's also wasn't there an Obama program that said that you can't suspend kids especially minority kids um, that, uh, that the disciplinary problems go away that everything and, and some Correct. of the kids came came back and shot their schools up. You know, so it's uh, and yet they were advanced. So they yeah. so they took out the discipline, they took out the suspensions and expulsions, and now you're saying that the, with the, the the Bush program, they took out any incentive to actually work hard. So if you can't fail, it's like it's like a gambler, you know, who keeps their winnings but uh, gets reimbursed for their losses. 
You know, we, we use that for another Correct. example, too, of bailouts. It's the same. So you're basically bailing out kids, but you're not helping them. You know, I talked about this. Mario no. Prado talked about this yesterday. I don't know if you heard our discussion with Mario, who's uh, producing the film The Falcon, which we're involved with, which I've been helping in the creative process um, get their stuff together uh, because, uh, because of my work with Action Radio, uh, which plays a part in the movie, which is really kind of interesting. Anyway, um, but he said the same thing, and he was a teacher, and he downgraded a couple of students uh, to C, not because they didn't do the work. They did, but they only did enough to get by. It's exactly what you're talking about. Their attitude was they only did enough to get by, and so he gave them a C, and then the parents complained, well, my student deserves an A. They did the work. And the student's like, yeah, okay, fine. One student went back to him and said, yeah, you're right. I really deserve a C. That student's going to be okay, but that's only one out of three. Yes. The other two took the higher grade. Uh, and what they learned was that if, you, if life doesn't go your way, get someone to complain about it and change the result rather than fixing the result yourself. Just get someone to, to uh, change the, the rules. And so it's well, like it, the student it, loan it, thing. And it, you know, it, you don't it, pay well, a loan it, back, it, it's a great, you cancel the loan. Yeah, no, yeah. It is, yeah, it's a great example why um, kids are not going, uh, being able to be accepted in the medical school in America because medical hmm. school really hasn't changed their uh, standards that much. Uh, okay. Yet, but yet, kids are, you know, American kids can't get into medical school because they weren't, because they're not, they didn't work hard enough, you know. That's and it's, it's really sad, you know, you know, where it's mostly foreign. If you go to medical school here in America nowadays, it's mostly foreigners, and the Americans are actually going out of the country because where the standards are a little bit lower in order to get yeah, to medical. That, school. Remember the Caribbean? Where was that that place that uh, Grenada? Grenada had a medical school and all. All the students there are Americans. When when Reagan went in to to seize Grenada from from whatever you know terrorists real or imagined were there, uh, oh, I think it was Cubans were, were in or something like that. Anyway, I, I'm still not convinced that was a legitimate raid, but it made a, made a lot of headlines. Yeah, they they basically went to an American medical school, rescued the the American medical students in this Grenada medical school. You know, do you, do you want to see a no offense against Grenada? I'm sure it's a wonderful island, but do you want to go? If you had a choice between some of the graduated from I don't know, was it Johns Hopkins University Med School, you know, Stanford Med, Harvard Med, or Grenada Med? Where would you go? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, and, and nowadays you'll see a lot more uh, um, doctors with a DO after their name instead of an MD, um, and that's because the DO schools, which are supposed to be uh, osteopathic, um, and they're a little bit easier to get into than a regular medical school, oh. too. Hey, look, the guy that did my heart surgery wore a turban, but I didn't care because he was a great doctor. <laughs> Obviously, I'm here. Yeah. So, so uh, he was a Sikh. <laughs> so the guy that did my surgery so, was a Sikh. Do you think I cared that he was a Sikh? No. I talked to the guy and he was really competent. So, okay, yeah, I, I trust you with my life. Go for it. So, yeah. Yeah. I have no problem, so, so I have no problem with foreign doctors. I, yeah. yeah. I mean, but that's what's happening in America overall. And, mm-hmm. and that's why you're seeing all these people walk out and strike is because mm-hmm. of you know, the fact that they were not trained to work hard, and now that they're being forced to work hard, they're pouting like little bitches that they are and walking out saying, I need more money. Well, I'll tell you right now, the auto workers, what, mm-hmm. you, what they just did, they just got themselves unemployed is what they did. They got themselves a 33% increase in pay and mm-hmm. for doing nothing because mm-hmm. machines do everything nowadays. And well, what so they're going to find out they're going to be out of a job is what they're about to be. Because, well, Trump you know, made a very interesting point that the the uh, the the United the United Auto Workers should be endorsing Trump 
because of all the work that's going to China with the electric cars. Electric cars are dangerous yes. to the environment. We all know that. They use child labor, and electric cars are horrible. There's no, there's no virtue to them. Um, the disposal of them alone and the fact that most of the fuel for the electric cars comes from the same thing that fuels our cars, coal, oil, and natural exactly. gas. <laughs> so, so electric cars Which are is hilarious. powered by organic fuels, right? We don't say fossil anymore. We say organic. And so electric mm-hmm. cars are like moving hypocrisy. <laughs> you look going down, ah, there goes your hypocrisy. It's driving down the street. You know, I mean, it, yep. it, there's no point in electric cars. So that's the biggest problem. Now, now the question is, it's like, and I've th- I thought about this with the minimum wage, too. Now, I'm pr- very pro-union. Now, I was a Teamster for, for a few years. You know, so I, and the difference between a, a union contract and a non-union contract is night and day. Trust me, the dues are nothing compared to the benefits you get with a union contract. And I don't have a problem with that because under the Constitution, you know, if you can negotiate a better deal, that's fine. I mean, sports people, entertainers, they all have lawyers that negotiate really good contracts. Well, workers don't have that, so they have a union to negotiate the contract for them. Management, you know, if you go to see a manager, he's got the entire corporate team behind them negotiating the contract. It's hardly a fair, you know, deal. So I have no problem with that. My problem is with the government unions because they should not exist at all. In fact, Trump could get rid of them simply by uh, repealing uh, John F. Kennedy's um, executive order that empowered them in the first place. But as far as unions go, um, I, you know, let's uh, take a look at uh, the the, the CEOs, you know, and then the people, the management, they get expense accounts, they get per diems, they get health benefits, which are not taxed. Uh, as far as, what are you talking about the health benefits? But uh, they get health benefits. They get um, all kinds of perks, stock options, things like that. A lot of things that the, the workers don't get. So as we're criticizing the minimum wage and as we're criticizing, you know, worker unions gaining more wages, let's take a look at the other end of it, too. Let's look at all the things that uh, the, the corporate folks are getting. Uh, the car, <laughs> you know, they're getting a lot of things, you know, in compensation, in a compensation package that's pretty big. And who's producing so, more? Yeah. Well, first yeah, I'm going to say you're very outdated. You're very outdated in in that thought process. Okay, um, tell me why. Uh, and I'll say for a couple of reasons. One, expense accounts have basically dwindled to almost nothing in most really? companies. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, with, with the with Zoom and Microsoft Teams and wherever whatever else, video chats. Those expense con- Those expense. Um, so business you know, travels um, down also then, right? So business travel with the airlines is way down. down? Okay, all right. It's way down. It, well, you don't, you don't need that car anymore. You don't need that to fly anymore. Oh. Uh, yeah, there's there's still those lunches that you know that are somewhat needed um, from time to time, but that's way down. Um, well, there's so many it. laws on there's laws on the books <laughs> now to where like doctors' offices, for example, cannot mm-hmm. accept more than a twenty five dollar gift. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, that's that's way down, um, and, and that's kind of across the board. You know, in the real estate market. Um, you know, you, you can no longer steer in one direction. You have to give an option of three different options, um, you know, for title companies, appraisals, whatnot. And actually appraisals have gone to a rotation system where the banks can't just direct uh, appraisals to one specific person. Well, they were um, locking in money so, for their friends. So they had friends. That, yeah. So you'd have like a group, yeah, so you'd have a title company, it, you'd it, have but, a broker, and you'd have all a that, bank, and they all, all that together. Is, all yeah. that is slowly going away. Um, okay. Next. You're talking about management. Okay, who's, whenever you hear a company restructuring or company cut, cutting employees, what mm-hmm. is the first first line that gets cut? Middle management. Oh, oh okay. Hmm. They're always the first ones to get cut. Um, CEOs, yeah, you know what? If a company's making money, I don't have any problem at all CEO making a lot of money. And the reason mm-hmm. why is because they're the ones who built that. 
you know, most likely they're the ones who created that wealth for that company. So yeah, as so a creative CEO, the, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. 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 So yeah. So I mean, I have no problem whatsoever. And you know, when I you know, I'm on LinkedIn and I I try to hear both sides of the story. So I read a lot mm-hmm. of stories of workers who pout and complain about you know not making money versus CEO. Well, that CEO probably has a master's degree or doctorate degree in business. He mm-hmm. created. Um, that company, or he took over a company and made it better. I mean, if he made it worse, he would have been fired. Um, you know, what did you do for the company except for show up and complain and do a half-assed <laughs> yeah, job exactly. every day? No, I mean, and I'm yeah, not saying I mean, to that, take that, money from, that's, why yeah. you're making a, that's why you're making a minimum wage because you didn't put right. forth the effort ahead of time. So, yeah. you know, so I'm, I'm sick and tired of listening to these workers, you know, because I'm, I'm – yeah, you know, I've been on both sides of the spectrum. Okay, I, I've uh-huh. worked in a lot of different industries. I've been a laborer. I've worked minimum wage. I push grocery carts. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, you know, I'm a CEO. I'm a CEO now. I'm a, I'm uh-huh. also a CFO at, or COO at the same time. So uh-huh. you know, I you know, I've had the different jobs, and I understand, and I understand both perspectives. But if you're not willing to put in the effort, you're not going to get the results. And that's the bottom. No, I understand that. And, and I understand too. I'm not trying to cut pay for CEOs. I'm not trying to redistribute income or things like that. I'm not trying to do the socialist thing. I'm just saying that I recognize that workers, you know, if they want to unite in a union, can get more money. Now, if they if they get too much money, they're going to lose jobs because the company can't afford it. This is the, this is the beauty of a private uh, uh, company and a, and a union that, that works in a private company. You, they can't ask for too much, or they lose jobs, and then you, then they lose a union member. So that doesn't work. So I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is I like I like to look at the overall picture. So CEOs make a good living and should. I mean, I, I, I'm not making a secret of the fact that I want to buy a jet. I hope this company makes multi-millions of dollars. It's a worldwide force in politics uh, and uh, makes a whole bunch of money. So we, we do good and we do well. Got no problem with that. I want to have fun. You know, so that's part of why I struck out and did my own business. But on the other hand, I recognize, too, that, uh, that you know, people all through the whole thing, you know, should be able to make money. If they can advocate with the union to make more money, I don't have a problem with that. It's up to the company and the union to figure it out what the correct wage is. I'm not going to begrudge the worker for doing that because I understand, but I don't know, but I didn't know about the, the current state of things like the expense accounts and the, uh, um, well, stock options is still pretty good, but there's different ways of compensating people. So unions get compensated with wages. Uh, managers might get compensated with uh, extra benefits, health benefits, stock packages, yeah. things like that. So, you know, I mean, I'm just you, saying. If you look at stock, yeah, but if you look at stock options, that's only as good as the company is. If the company's mm. failing, your stock options are worth nothing. No, well, you buy another so, stock. So, <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean, though. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah but stock options is uh-huh. incentive to increase, to do better for the company. That's mm. what I'm saying about that. Okay. Let me so, ask you a before we get here. No, I, I was going to ask you about a com- uh, an employee-owned company like yeah. Avis, which you don't hear about too much. But the company, uh, the companies that are employee-owned, where they actually own, they get the stock options. How are they doing? Are they? I would imagine they're doing better because there's incentive to work harder because you're actually working for yourself, even though the company's owned, you know, you know, cooperatively. You know, honestly, um, I talked to someone who's in that industry. And they have the same attitude as everybody else um, because it's okay. still run as a corporation. Um, okay. And they, they don't really feel ownership because you're mm. still working as a normal employee. You know, you're, you're not okay. working as an owner. So, but, yeah, I do have to go earn my dollar for today. So uh, we'll take up this conversation again next week. Sounds good. Okay. Well, I'll just play some, uh, play some of the announcements that I don't normally get a chance to play until Wendy gets here. Thank you, Bill. So Bill's on his way. All right. So let's let's do. Uh, 
I always do contact information first. I'll play it maybe a little bit later. I have a bunch of stuff I want to play too. Let's uh, start with the one that you don't normally hear. Let's get this one. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force, your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strike Force, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code WYL to the discount code window at checkout. WYL comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engines. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Great Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is greatcare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at greatcare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great Care. Better health through better knowledge and advocacy. All right, there we go. So there's Wendy. So let's get started with uh, the Oh My God report. Oh, my God. I feel like I'm turning into like a what's this, Southern California. No, I'm not going to be a Valley Girl. Not yet, anyway. We'll see what happens. Here we go. Do you really want the truth? Do you have questions you can't ask in church? Welcome to the Oh, My God Report. Wendy Arthur is more concerned with truth than propaganda, putting more value in scripture than religion, and more about you and your relationship with God than your membership in any church. This is Christianity with a Kick. Yes, Bill Fecky has left the building, so it's time for the one and only Wendy Arthur. Hello, Wendy. What's going on? Good morning. <laughs> How are you this morning? I'm having a great time. We had some uh, amazing news yesterday with Mario Prado, uh, who's, uh, yeah. I, guess, I guess, the line producer, which is different than producer. Uh, I guess the line producer puts all the film <laughs> together. Um, of the Falcon. Did you, hear, did you hear him at all? It looks like he's going to help us out with Citizen Legislation Day. So uh, that was wonderful news. I think that's awesome. Yep. And he's coming out, too. I, so I'm gonna, looking forward gonna, to Hollywood. Action Radio goes Hollywood. So we're going to have uh, Dr. Judy Mikovits. We're going to have... Uh, uh, we're going to have a movie producer, and I'm hoping to get – I actually talked to him off the air, um, but it's not a big secret or anything, but I was hoping to get uh, – maybe he knows a documentary filmmaker that can actually uh, do a film of the whole thing, and so that might be very interesting. So, you know, listen, this is just snowballing. You know, you set the wheels in motion, and, and the wheels are turning very fast. Yeah. People have come out and supported us, 
uh, they're they're talking about us. Uh, we're just having to work on some media now. We've got our press release to get out. So everything's going really well. And and thanks for for putting together such a wonderful um, flyer graphic and everything else you're doing. That and our link. I didn't know you could link in the uh, uh, my news report. For those that don't know, I did a news report about a year ago, August, with uh, Emerald Robinson of Frank's Beach, which is Lindell TV. She's the only major media broadcaster to have me on to talk directly about a bill that we wrote here, our vaccine product liability bill. And it was just, it was just fabulous. And I just, by total accident, I look, I look myself up periodically to see what they're saying. <laughs> Not always a good thing. Um, but uh, in this case, it was because I found a rumble of exactly that episode and only that part of, uh, of the show. Anyway, enough about me. How you doing, Wendy? Yeah. And that was no accident, by the way. <laughs> nothing. None um, of this is an accident. Um, it's just it's incredible things that are happening. Yep. Absolutely agreed. Yep. Happened right before. Mario took it. He's going to put it in his promotion. Stuart Morris Gilbert, the, the company that he works for, uh, the, the, the creative, he's the creative director there. Uh, they already, they carry one of our, uh, an ad for us every day as I carry the Falcon uh, in our slides for every show. And that's, that's something we worked out a long time ago. Um, but that's why that, the Falcon is there. So people are like, oh, what's the Falcon? I always wonder what that was, man. Yeah, that's us. So the, none of this is an accident. Everything, the things that are happening, even things I can't tell everybody yet, <laughs> some really amazing things happening. Um, and, and absolutely none of it's an accident because it, it couldn't be. There's no way the things that are coming together could come together by sheer chance. It's like, you know, DNA. <laughs> you think DNA is an accident? Yeah, good luck with that thought. <laughs> keep, you know, keep carrying on. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Right. Anyway. Well. Yes. Um, What's on your mind? You touched on something that is, is part of what we're going to be talking about this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, like-mindedness um, is when you get people together who are of like mind, mm-hmm. you can focus um, on the task at hand and it just gets done because yeah. everyone is of like mind. And so therefore the goal is the same. So let's talk about several different things because um, Pionki had mentioned uh, the Tower of Babel a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago, and I told him that, you know, we would be doing a report on that. Yeah, he's um, on live chat right now, too, so he, may, he might uh, type in some questions. We'll see. But uh, cool. don't be surprised. That's great. Yeah. Yep. Well, I think it's good. I mean, because if, if you can't be challenged on something and you can't be uh-huh. asking without, you know, getting upset, then you don't really know your your stuff. So mm-hmm. <laughs> just, makes sense to me. I listen, I get challenged all the time. Cool. Listen to my, I was saying my brother Josie is like a constant challenge. <laughs> it's really funny. She doesn't agree with, uh, well, we, we, you'd have to listen, but anyway, go ahead. Yeah, it's okay. Um, and you know, and when people have differing views, it is okay. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, that if, if that's what they choose to believe, what skin is it off of your nose? Mm-hmm. Um, I, and yes, you, especially when it comes to biblical things, you know, you want people to, um, understand that God knows what he's talking about, that he, mm-hmm. he, you know, pretty much laid out all the rules and stuff. And so it's best if we, you know, live how he says to live because it's for our own good, it's for our protection, it's for our blessing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, if, if people don't choose to believe that, then you know what? They are free to choose that. Yeah. So don't get upset with people, you know, and it just, I don't understand when Christians get upset with non-Christians because they act like non-Christians, you know, well, hello. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny. Well, and I've, do people I've said get this upset in a different with way. Dogs? Do they act like dogs? Do people get yeah, upset exactly. with cats? Do they act like cats? 
You know? Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that makes perfect sense to me, but I, I've said this for a long time. You know, people argue as if they can beat their opinion into somebody else and are not satisfied if they can't. Yeah. You're not going to change somebody's opinion. Listen to what they say, understand why they think the way they do, accept it, present your point of view, and then shut the hell up. It's okay. You've done your bit. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's called free will, people. You know, mm-hmm. everyone yeah. is allowed to, to choose their own. God himself won't interrupt that, you know. So, mm. you know, there you go. Well. Yeah. So getting back to the Tower of Babel mm-hmm. and like-mindedness and all that kind of stuff, um, <clears throat> there's a lot of misinformation out there. Mm. Um, you know, when when I was coming up, it, it, the big thing was, um, well, all the different races started at the Tower of Babel, you know, when God confused the languages and stuff. And then everybody adapted to whatever area that they were, you know, scattered to and, um, you know, had to change everything. and. That's not what the Bible says. So if it's if God doesn't say that, then it's not. It's just an opinion, and okay. my opinion is not going to buy you a cup of coffee, right? And I <laughs> yeah, don't care exactly. how intelligent you are. You know, if it's just your opinion, it's just your opinion. It may be an educated opinion, but it's still an opinion, and mm-hmm. it does not trump the Word of God. So um, there we go. And so with that view. Um, my report, the Oh My God report, is to help people see things the way God sees them, according to his word, not according to my opinion, not according to the opinion of scholarly experts, but God's word. So, and we can go back to the original languages, you know, Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic, and we can see what God was actually saying word for word. So there's no excuse for not knowing, um, because that's available to everybody. So, and we all have to stand before the Lord by ourselves. <laughs> and answer, yeah. we can't say, yeah, but he said, you know. <laughs> that's not well, and, and you can't, okay? you can't so. go before God and say, well, that's just your opinion. It's not going to work. Yeah, no. <laughs> I would love to be a fly on the wall in the room if somebody actually said that, but okay. Oh, yeah. um, but anyway, so let's let's talk about the Tower of Babel, and and we can find this in Genesis in, in chapter eleven, um, talking about the Tower of Babel. And um, so, what I would like to do um, what is, is kind it? of give what is it? Why was it? Why is it there? Where is it? What what, what was its purpose? What, what is that's Babel? That's what I'm fixing to talk about. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> All right, I'm, just, I'm doing the journalistic okay. thing for for a second there. Yeah, I have my moments. Yeah. So okay. I'm just going to read. The first, um, probably the first nine chapters, uh, I mean, not uh, first nine verses, sorry, not chapters, the first nine verses that will it's give only you half the hour story point, exactly. of the Tower so, of Babel. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, that, and this is what we're going to be basing our show on today. So I want you to listen carefully because there are certain phrases in here in these verses <clears throat> that's going to explain a whole lot, and you're going to go, oh, hmm. so. Um, starting at verse 1 of chapter 11 in Genesis. Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone and they had slime for mortar. I don't know what that means, the slime, what they made it out of, but that's what they used for mortar and that's what they called it. Okay. And they said, Probably come, mud let us build kind. ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens, 
Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language, and this is what they begin to do? Now, (laughs) nothing they propose to do will be withheld from them. Come, let us go down. And, and, And keep that in mind. Come, let us go down, and there confuse their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they ceased building the city. Therefore, its name is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over all the face of the earth. Then it goes on to talk about the descendants and where they were, and Abraham, and well, his name was Abram at first, and you know he's a descendant of of Shem. But anyway, so let's go back to the Tower of Babel part. Mm -hmm. He mentions one language, one speech, and that was in verse Mm 1. And then in verse 4, they said, let us exalt ourselves. Let us make this. Let's make a name for ourselves. So pride comes in because they could accomplish anything. So they decided in their pride, oh, well, yeah, we're down here, but let's make a city with a great big old tower right in the middle, and it goes straight up to heaven. Hmm. Now, obviously, you know, they didn't think about the higher you go, the thinner the air gets, and eventually you're going to die, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah, they didn't quite know yet. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so they were going to go ahead and just, you know, make this in, in, into heaven. So. And, you know, God's talking to Jesus and the Holy Spirit and going, look, they are of one mind. They can do anything. And this is what they choose to do. <laughs> so, That's funny, yeah. This, this was not a compliment from the Lord, okay? <laughs> oh, yeah. So, you know, they were literally trying to, to build the stairway to heaven, right? And cue the music. But, okay. Um, so, in... There's a lady who says, oh, sorry, anyway, go ahead, no. Okay. (laughs) Um, But in verse 6, when it talks about their one mindset, that means they were all like-minded. That's a whole different show. But if we were all like-minded, instead of all this fractioning and the pitting one against the other, could you even imagine what could be accomplished, right? That's why God talks about the importance of unity, not uniformity, unity mm-hmm. in Christianity. Yeah. So mm-hmm. there we go. But anyway, so go down and confuse their language. It's God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. The Trinity existed long before anything else. You know, they were always in existence. So here they came down, and they said, this is not good. They're going to kill themselves. They're going to do all kinds of things um, <laughs> that are harmful. Um and, you know, I, I went through a lot of trouble to create the human race. <laughs> so um, let's confuse their languages because this is not going to be good. So, yeah, so let's, let's that go way, this again because this is uh, – it's, it's kind of interesting. So the city was being built. I'm trying to sort of figure when, when, when God came in the picture and started doing this. So they were – so these people all – so everybody was of the same language. They came together in this particular city or this area to build the city, and then they started building this, this tower. This area in China. In China, which is yeah, where? Yeah, and they decided 
um, it's it's it, in the a plain area. So I would assume that Sinai, maybe? because there's there's not a lot of plains um, in in the you know ancient land of Israel. Um, okay. There's mount, it's mountainous regions, desert regions, and and then the plains, and so that's over towards the sea. Um, you okay. know, over towards the uh, Gaza side, you know, that there's great big plains over in, in that area. Um, so more more flatlands. And <clears throat> so that's where they were. Um, I tried to find Shinar, but obviously that's an ancient name, so I have to find out whatever the current name is of well, that. Well, it sounds like Sinai. But, that's what I was wondering. And uh, and who were these people? So so the first people were, they weren't Christians because Jesus wasn't here yet. Were they Jews? Right. Who, who were these people? Yes. Yes, that they, they were all Jewish people because that's how God created everyone. When Adam and Eve, um, everybody comes from Adam and Eve. I don't care who you are. Everybody is. So were Adam lived. and Eve Jewish then? Did God create the first people to be Jewish? Well, since he created Jerusalem and the Israelites to be the apple of his eye and to be blessed, that's an assumption I have to make. Um, okay. I will try. That's to, not that's okay. not really clear I mean, in scripture at this point. Yeah. Well, because God doesn't. Well, I'm fixing to get into a really big point here, and I and I I'm want sorry, everybody ahead. to really, really grasp this. Um. Because it, when he talks about, um, if you go past verse nine, when I talk about um, Shem and all the different tribes and where they came from, and you know, who was how old when they had such and such, and then they lived another 490 years after that. I mean, just you know, it gives all the genealogies of the original seven nations um, and, and 12 tribes, okay? So, um, and where they ended up, and you can go look that up in, in different places in the Bible where God set the boundaries of each nation and each tribe. So when the scripture talks about um, every tribe, nation, and tongue, I find it very interesting that um, you will never, ever find in the Bible where God mentions race, ever. Okay, okay. There's nations, there's peoples, there's tribes, and there's tongues, but nobody ever mentions race. And I thought that's good because he, God himself says there is only one race. That's the human race that he created. And we all have descended from Adam and Eve. So in Acts um, chapter 17, mm-hmm. um, he, he states, you know, if you go to verses 26 and 27, in case anybody wants to you know, write this down, it says, and he has made from one blood, that's Adam's, right, Adam and Eve, and he's made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. Huh. It is for all men, women, children, in every to know him. And he does not recognize skin color or nationality and, and like say, oh well he's Chinese and she's you know uh, Swiss and you know, that kind of thing it, that doesn't matter to him you right. are one people that he created and it doesn't matter what you look like it's what is in your heart and matter of fact that can be proven um, mm-hmm. in Acts chapter 10 
you know, verses 34 and 35. Because it says, and when Peter was talking, because he was being questioned about this, then Peter mm-hmm. opened his mouth and said, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality, that in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. Does it have any other qualification in there at all? No. No. No, but I never understood the concept of race anyway. You know, I, I, we've talked about this on the show before. I grew up uh, without, without a, a concept of race, uh, except for, you know, with the prejudice I got from, from my father, who was unfortunately, you know, very racist. And I didn't understand what it was to talk about other people in terms of skin color. That just didn't register with me. In Australia, you know, we all had the same school uniform and we had, um, you know, extremely dark skinned Samoan students and we had extremely light skinned British students. You know, and but skin color never entered into a conversation. We never thought about it. We never talked about it. We talked about it in our nationalities, but we all wore the same uniform. So as far as we were concerned, we were all, you know, the, the students of the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh grade, whatever it was. That was it. But there was no, right. there was never an identica- identification by skin color. So I actually grew up without a concept of race. And I'm, I'm really happy <laughs> because then I get to this country and all of a sudden that's all that matters. It's like, what are you people talking about? Yeah, you're different skin colors. Okay, I recognize that. But so what? It doesn't mean anything, but apparently here it means everything. So the whole idea of race is, is an artificial con- uh, uh, concept. I don't even know when this came in to discussions. You know, was it the scientists, the geneticists, the, the whatever? But, you know, you look in terms of DNA, every human being can reproduce with every other human being, and that's the definition of a species. So whether we're tall, short, black, white, Asian, Jewish, Christian, Hindu, it doesn't matter. We're all the same human race, just like you're saying in Scripture. And so it's proven scientifically yeah. and proven in scripture. So, so race is a concept that really doesn't matter. And yet people stake their lives on it, their history on it, their, uh, their, their, their claims of, of whatever, you know, reparations. I mean, all of this is based on a concept that literally has no meaning except to what people bring to it from ex- externally. It's very strange. Yes. It's strange to me. Yes. And, you know, Everybody's talking about, well, it's just the evolution process and Darwin. No, if you actually read Darwin's theory of evolution, um, he says that the the African-American or, you know, back then it was the Negro race, um, Mm -hmm. whatever label you want to put on it, um, that they were inferior. And that, and of course, now that people are, so you can't say that now. Oh, okay. So now Darwin's kind of fallen out of, uh, mm-hmm. Graces. Well, uh, what's the full title was, of this you know, book? Do you remember the full title? Do what? So Darwin's book is not just the origin of the species. It's the origin of the species, you know, plus the, the protection of race, something. Right? There's more to it. There's more to his title. Oh, there is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot. And yeah. it's, it's just, it's not true because, you know, they, all the, the writers back then um, mm-hmm. talked about, like, uh, what's that guy's name? Osborne? Um, at Columbia University, remember back when he was writing about it, um, because he he was like the president of the American Museum of Natural History or something. Hmm. Um, um, He had written uh, in his book, like like, I'm talking like 1926, okay, was the, but I think, um, I think the last portion of, of his writings were like released in 1980, but um, he talked about, and, and he didn't even, he said the Negroid stock. That's what he called them. He just grouped them all. <laughs> Negroid, Negroid stock. Oh, that's stock. funny. Well, uh, like cattle. Yeah. yeah um, that's uh, interesting. 
Yeah. yeah. And, and he talked about that, that they were e- even more ancient than, than the Caucasians and the Mongolians. And, um, and, and he, he studied their brains, you know, of all these different people. And he came to the conclusion that the standard of, of intelligence of the average adult Negro um, was similar to that of an 11-year-old youth of the species Homo sapiens, as if they were not <laughs> Homo sapiens. Sapiens, yeah, as exactly. If they oh, yeah. were not human, get it? So it's it's man, you know, and 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 all of their educated wisdom are mm-hmm. incredibly stupid. Um, oh, absolutely. And and calling certain people of a different uh, skin color inferior, and that they would never match up to any other. Um, nation or nationality or ethnicity <laughs> in the world. You don't think with your skin color, and, folks. I mean, it's just, it's just hysterical. But um, <laughs> the, I, I, was, I learned later when I first learned this concept of race, the three racist race, actually three, that's a probably good word, the three racist groups, the, the Negroid, <laughs> the Caucasoid, and the Mongoloid. In other words, referring to Asia, you know, white people and, and black people, you know, and of course, what about, right. uh, you know, other American Indians, you know, I mean, where, how do they fit in? What about the, the indigenous folks in Central and South America that are completely different also? How about Indians, Indian right. Indians? You know, so none of this makes any sense. Anyway, yeah. here's the full title of the book. People don't know this. Uh, the, the title of the book is not The Origin of the Species. That is not the title of uh, Charles Darwin's book. It's On the Origin of Species by Means of Natural Selection or the Preservation yeah. of Favored Races in the Struggle for Life. That's the there full title of the book. The Preservation of Favored Races in the Struggle for, for Life. Charles Darwin was a racist, pure and simple. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. So favored I want races. everybody out there, yeah, mm-hmm. all over the world to know that you are part of the favored race because God created you. Exactly. There is no ethnicity or nationality above another in God's eyes. Mm-hmm. You are either his or you're not, and he wants everybody to be his. He created you for that. He created you for that relationship with him, to be loved who he created you to be with all the blessings of the, of the heavens. So I'm telling you that anybody who starts spouting this racist crap um, about this and that, and this one's you know, better than the other, or this one is subservient to the other, is not true. It is not true. There is no favorite in God's eyes because he created them all. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, Jack had a quick comment here. Indians are migrated Asians. Darwin only knew what he knew at the time. Okay. Which is true. But an Indians genetically are white, which might surprise a lot of people if you look at uh, the, the DNA. But it doesn't matter because people, you know, there, there is matter. only one people. We are either, either people or you're not people. I mean, that's just, that's, that's as far as it goes. And so, but you look at all the wars and all the the problems and the and the national policies and the, uh, you know, everything. I mean, uh, I mean, black people used to be in fear because they made, they measured cranium size or something like that or some other stupid criteria. All these things that were, you know, and people talk about this is why it's so it's so bizarre to me when people talk about experts. Well, they're scientific. They're an expert. Really? Let's take a look at some wonderful scientific theories. I don't know lobotomy. There's a scientific theory. <laughs> You know, I mean, there are experts that talked yeah. about that, the flat earthers. 
You know, I mean, it yeah. just goes on yeah. and on and on. Or the pseudo-religious. In other words, the feudalism was based on uh, telling the peasants in their horrible condition, don't worry, life's great in heaven, so don't worry about suffering on earth. Ah, this is the way it's supposed to be. God intended this. No. If I can do a Wendy. No. It's no. <laughs> not the way it's supposed to be. You know, so yeah, it's uh, it's very strange how people contorted this. All right. Well, look, I mean, it's you can even find uh, King David was a redhead. Um, really? Absalom, his son, had 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 coal black hair. I mean, this huh. there it talk, talks about you know fair. You know, those who were who were fair, um, at, rather than those who were ruddy or those who were um, uh, tanned from working in the sun. I mean, it talks about all these things. But never once does it talk about race, you know. So, um, yeah. you know, there's and, – and the blue eyes and the brown eyes and, and all those kinds of stuff. And blue eyes were considered – they were termed weak eyes um, mm, because they, they are, were, actually, you know, yeah. dark and strong, you know. And, and, they, they, and people with light eyes don't handle the sun as well as people with dark eyes. I mean, That's these are all just – Yeah, you know. So, anyway, there's well, – don't don't say that just because you know we we all came from Adam we should all look the same because that's not true. Yeah. So I guess it's just an adaptation, and it makes sense too that lighter skinned folks are going to be up in the northern and the southern <laughs> climates, darker skinned folks are going to be closer to the equator, just as an adaptation, if nothing else. Yes, I mean because it you know it would be. God, I've always said God has a sense of humor because he put a redheaded white girl on the beach. Okay, you know. <laughs> <I don't laughs> Yeah, well, that, 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 that's just, you're going against the natural order of things, Wendy. You know, Wendy's a redhead. Yes, so, I know. Uh, <laughs> well, what else is new? <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a great picture of Wendy, which I'm sure none of you will see, which is unfortunate, uh, where you look like Lonnie Anderson in WKRP Cincinnati, you know, with a phone in your hand. That is a classic. <laughs> that is an absolute well, classic. I, I, now that I, I've told I, anybody. I did pick butt in the office. I really did. I, I, I'm I sure you did. Well, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were Lonnie Anderson with red hair. Okay. On that note, we'll bring up, bring up Bonnie as she was thinks. Uh, if you had a chance to listen or she's Bonnie, did you have a chance to listen or are you just catching up with us now? I, I am just now catching up. Okay. Good yeah, morning, this Bonnie. Is, I keep asking this. I probably Good morning, Wendy. This, I don't embarrass I don't want to embarrass anybody when I ask you. The reason I'm asking is to be informative, not to say, oh, so you didn't listen to the previous hour, so there. You know, that's not why I do that. But anyway, I'm just curious. No, no. Okay. <laughs> Okay. okay. Well, if anybody has any questions or if they want to, you know, share what, you know, their views are um, and feel free. Um, and and I'm not going to argue because, you know, like I said, free will. Everybody has the, you know, free will to choose what they want to believe. Um, but you are certainly, you know, welcome to, to point, you present your point of view. And you can get a hold of me on Facebook at Wendy Arthur or Art by Wendy Arthur or Dimensions Ministries. You can also uh, contact me through the Action Radio Oh My God Report page. So I hope you all have a great day and bow now, avoid the rush. Absolutely. But you got to say it like a Valley Girl next Amen. time. Oh, my God. Paige. <laughs> no. Okay, fine. <laughs> and for those that want to see a, a fascinating discussion between uh, Pianchi and Wendy, go either to the Action Radio group, which is our general news page, uh, or the Oh, My God group on, on Facebook also. So we, have, we actually have an Oh, My God group. So that's, that's how we do things. So you two keep discussing and uh, – Pretty good. Let's get Bonnie's theme, and we'll be right back. Who is that woman behind the microphone? What stories does she have for us? Secluded in a small radio studio in a secure location, 
Bonnie Nesbitt presents the news of the week and then presents not the news of the week. So join us now for The B Word with Bonnie Nesbitt. It sounds so Monty Pythonish when I say that. And now, not yeah. the news of the week. <laughs> Presented by Bonnie Nesbitt. <laughs> and the BBC now presents the, the, the news of the week and then not the news of the week. <laughs> I said that in a British mm-hmm. accent. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yes, I'm here. I'm here. The likes of me. The likes of me. me. No, not exactly. the news. Not the news. Yes, oh, exactly. The, the, the news mm-hmm. of me. Yes. And now for yes, something completely news. different. <laughs> <laughs> and exactly. watch out for the rabbit. Your father was exactly. a... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was about to say, your mother was a hamster and your father was of elderberry. <laughs> we all know that. Run away from that rabbit. That rabbit's dynamite. <laughs> None <laughs> shall pass. Let's do Monty Python mm-hmm. for the next hour. What do we care? Yeah, that's pretty funny yeah. stuff. <laughs> exactly. You've lost your leg. That's only a flesh wound. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, so yeah, lots going on in the news mm-hmm. and lots going on not in the news. Yes. Where, where, sh- where shall we start? To- well, I think I, I, I gave you a question, which I've totally forgotten now, but I knew it was really good at the time. Well, I wrote down the questions that you gave me and um, I did go back and, and try and get the website. I, I sent you a link, which I know that you saw regarding who's profiting from the war in Ukraine. It's called Corvus yeah, I love it. Stocks, and that is, mm-hmm. yes, yes. It's a fascinating website. You can dig around there and find out all kinds of stuff right down to the state. I was actually digging earlier this morning, and I was seeing um, a little tab where you can go and see lobbyists and how they have contributed to California members. And you can see, you know, mm. the, the profit along the lines of things like Diane Feinstein and um, Pelosi. And, I mean, they're all there as far as the percentage of lobbyists that have contributed to their campaigns. It is so detailed, and you can go state by state. I didn't go any farther than California because I had too many other things that I wanted to look at. But just in seeing the the progress, you can look at even 2022, and you can start at the progress report from the beginning to the end of the year, and you can see who profited more than others amongst Congress members and lobbyists. Yeah. It is let's give the Let's give the website. Yeah, let's give the website. Yes. It's called unusualwhales.com. That's unusualwhales.com. Dot com And that's whales spelled W-H-A-L-E-S, not the nation of. And what's interesting about it is the right. whale, it, from, from uh, um, the way they talk about uh, a whale, is, is like a fat cat that's, that's going to make all kinds of investments. There are a couple of stockbroking films. I think, um, what was the one that uh, Tom Cruise was in? The Firm? No, they weren't stockbroking. Mm-hmm. Were they? Whatever it was. So there was, uh, and a couple of other films have talked about, I mean, the boiler room was in particular. Go for the whale, the big investor that's going to make you all rich and you churn and burn and all that kind of stuff. So whale is a known term. Mm-hmm. I guess it's a term for a gambler that, that brings in tons of money and loses it because they're stupid. And they can afford to, so they don't care. Right. So, so that's one of those yes, things. But yeah, exactly. it's right there. So unusualwhales.com. Unusualwhales, mm-hmm. W-H-A-L-E-S.com. And Correct. it's full of insider trading. It's full of all kinds of really neat stuff. This is a, it's got options, it's got market data, it's got stock data, it's got uh, anything you might want to want to find in here. But basically, these people are corrupt, not only for getting, for getting into the process of getting into politics, but while they're there. The, the, it's just, it's a business. Right. And well, you know the title of the show, right, yes. for today? Okay, so the title of the show, just for those who don't know, I'm going to get off live chat, uh, to the illegal government of Brandon Obama. That's his name now. I've actually named him Brandon Obama. Seems like a good name, good Irish name, right? Uh, Brandon <laughs> Obama, World War III is just good business. 
And so they don't yep. care who, how, how many people they kill. They don't care how many countries they bankrupt. They don't care anything. As long as they get money for their bankers and weapons contractors and uh, everything else like that, then, then human beings are expendable. And this is something I never understood about mm-hmm. Afghanistan. I mean, we can talk about this for a minute. But Afghanistan in particular is like 80 to 85%, I think, and I'm not sure the figure, of the people that were killed or crippled in Afghanistan were killed or crippled by, elect, by uh, AEDs. Uh, what is it? Uh, no, IEDs, um, improvised explosive devices, basically booby traps. Mm-hmm. So if you're a soldier right. in Afghanistan, if you're a soldier in Afghanistan, all the training in the world won't help you. All the skills won't help you. All the experience won't help you. Uh, you're not going to be shot by a soldier. Right. You're not going to be shot in combat. You're going to be basically blown up by accident by tripping a booby trap. Well, that's just luck. Mm-hmm. So, so the, the yeah. it, it never. I would never want to be in a situation where I couldn't rely on my skill and knowledge to survive. If it's simply luck, the best trained soldier isn't going to fare any better than the, the worst trained, laziest idiot. It's all a question of luck. Who's going right. to trip the booby trap? Now, there's skill in finding mm-hmm. the booby traps and disarming them, the hurt locker. I'm not saying that. Correct. What I'm saying is we sent we we knowingly we not we you and me, but the generals and the the Congress and and the military strategists and the planners in the Pentagon, they sent people into a situation where they knew that the vast majority of casualties were booby traps. Why would you do mm-hmm. that unless you made money? Right. Right. Exactly. And didn't care about human life. Didn't care about your fellow countrymen. Didn't care one bit. It was worth it to have eighty to ninety percent casualty rates from booby traps not organized armies not not fighting for a political objective but simply booby traps in order to make money for 20 years that to me is is just it's it's almost non-human in the calculus it's like bean counters well i want to say if we uh the ford pinto if we if we don't if we uh don't move the gas tank we'll save you know uh what is it nine dollars per car so that's what human life was worth to them. They were willing to kill several thousand people because those several thousand lawsuits would not be as much as the profits from not moving the gas tank on the Ford Pinto. So people, so they were, right. so they were calculating it's better to have people burned to death in a horrible fashion in the backseat of a Pinto. And I wrote the backseat of a Pinto, and I heard about this years later. Um, all over, my folks were into one all over Vancouver, Canada, and I got to see some beautiful mountains from the backseat of a Pinto. But had we been rear-ended, I wouldn't be here right now. Chances are. Mm-hmm. Because all those pinos mm-hmm. had had faulty gas tanks, but and, and Ford made that right. calculation, all right. Well, and the people that are that are, that are, are you know sending billions to Ukraine are making that same calculation. It doesn't matter yeah. how many Ukrainians are killed; we don't care because we're making money. That money's coming back. The military contractors, the bankers, the loans, the politicians, the graft, you know, the money laundering that the, that goes on there. I mean, all all the places that money goes and comes back. They don't care mm-hmm. how many Ukrainians die, as long as they make money. You know, merchants right. of death. That's right. all it is. It's a business. Your turn. <laughs> no, I, I agree. It is a business, yeah. and it always has been a business. The business of war has always been a profitable one for anybody that is a warmonger, which is why it has happened. I mean, when you go back to World War II, it literally got us out of a recession, and that was intentional mm. within the realm. Research of that again. So, Research that again. Um, it, uh, yeah, it, or out of a depression. Yeah, people say World War II got us out of the depression. No, World War II mm-hmm. channeled the nation. It directed us into uh, into one nation with one purpose. Yes, but in terms of the spending, it caused mm-hmm. massive inflation after World War II. Well, obviously, you know, got, yes, you know. but it, it also things like the Social Security was set up at that point in time, and it was intended to help. So going down. To the um, 
yeah. almost like the socialistic path of let's take care of everybody by taxing them. That all came out of that and the FDR administration. Mm-hmm. And as far as far as today's war goes, you know, we're kind of dealing with the opposite end of the spectrum where we're running out of funds. And the government has been like desperately seeking for years. How can we stop them? How can we prevent us from running out of funds? We literally have a declining population when you compare the baby boom generation to the generation Xers. And there's far fewer people in the workforce providing for those Social Security funds than there are baby boomers retiring, and therefore we're depleting our funds. And then on top of it, the government goes and takes those funds, borrows from Peter to pay Paul, and they're giving the money to other things, depleting it all the further, and they want the general American public to be scared to death saying, well, we're going to have to either raise retirement age or we're going to have to increase the tax percentage or we're going to have to do something to continue to provide for you because heaven forbid the government not provide for you and you depend on yourself. Oh, but there's a third option. There's another option. What's the other option? Instead well, like of Social I, Security, what, what's the opposite mm-hmm. of Social Security? Private security. Exactly, or individual security. Mm-hmm. Something we That's talked about what I was getting show. at. It's instead of... Ooh. Yeah, instead of pushing it toward the individual responsibility, it's, it's, mm-hmm. that's why I say, heaven forbid, you take personal responsibility for your own future and mm-hmm. not rely on the government to do that. If they did, if we mm-hmm. did rely on ourselves to somehow come up a w- with a way to provide for our own future and that tax was eliminated, mm-hmm. the government would have no more excuses in depleting funds, and they would have to somehow allocate a better use of those funds. I mm-hmm. feel like they wouldn't. <laughs> I think we all agree with that. They wouldn't. If they, they would continue to do what they've always done, and that's look out for themselves and their own best personal interests and not the interests of Americans as a whole. Unless mm-hmm. you have people in there like Donald Trump who are legitimately looking for the betterment of the individual, and they see that making America great again comes from the actual individual that makes up America and not just positions in Congress where they can wear their suit and tie, go out to fancy business lunches, and essentially make decisions that go – fly in the face of the average hardworking middle-class citizen. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you how we got out of this, because I've been thinking about this for a while, and in fact, I did an article several years ago on the Chilean retirement system. So the way out of this is, is, is fairly simple, but understand that the word social security is picked for a reason. People focus on the word security, but the real word you fo- want to focus on is social. Okay? Social mm-hmm. security has nothing to do with you, the individual. It has to do with society. It's socialist. It should be called Socialist Security. Mm -hmm. It is, in fact, a second income tax. All right? It has nothing to do Mm -hmm. with the money that's paid out to you. That's totally independent. The money that goes into the government is is stolen by the government, and some of it's paid back to the people that paid in. But the money that you paid in doesn't go to you. The money you pay in goes to somebody else. So it's a transfer. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a mm-hmm. it's kind of like a Ponzi scheme. So the reason that uh, some of the reasons people give for bringing in illegal aliens or immigrants in general is that we have a declining birth rate. Well, part of the reason, as Pianchi said, we have a declining birth rate is the, is the abortions. So it's abortions for Americans, right. you know, uh, admittance to illegal aliens. Well, that's to create a peasant class. So and part of the reason is they want cheap labor for lower wages and they want taxpayers mm-hmm. to cover Social Security for the old people because we're not making enough babies. We need right. more babies. So I hear that all you young people mm-hmm. go make babies. American citizens. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, here's how you get out of this. It's very simple. And I want to explain something that a lot of people don't understand and still, you know, try and argue with me on the show. It's kind of funny. The Social Security tax on you is 15%. Now, the mythology, mm-hmm. they will tell you, and everybody will tell you, oh, no, you only pay 7.5%. Your company pays the other 7.5%. Well, that's a bunch of BS. Mm-hmm. 
because the, because mm-hmm. the the uh, the individual the the self employment tax is fifteen percent. So why would the government tax mm-hmm. self employed people twice as much as they would tax workers? They wouldn't. They want the they want the same percentage from everybody. Besides, that'd be unconstitutional under the equal protection clause. So the money that the company allocates to pay you of the hundred percent of mm-hmm. the money that they allocate to pay you, fifteen percent of the money that they allocate to pay you goes to the government in payroll tax. Now they right. can say they pay seven and a half and you pay seven and a half. It's a bunch of BS. They pay the whole thing and you pay the whole thing. You pay because right. you lose fifteen percent. They pay because they take the fifteen percent they would have paid you without the tax and give it to the government. So fifteen percent of everybody's wages goes to the government for a bogus program called Social Security, Medicare, and all this other crap. So fifteen percent of your money's mm-hmm. gone. Now, when you retire, all right, they give you what the government decides to give you. Well, the, what the government mm-hmm. decides to give you has nothing to do with the amount that you paid in other than they have some right. chart. Whoop, I almost dropped my water. Ha! I got a better container. It doesn't spill all over the floor. That's good. So of the money that the, the government decides to pay you, it's sort of loosely based on the, your, your greatest three quarters of income. All right? So you can, you can work one year and still get Social Security for life. Crazy, huh? Right. Now, here's right. the better way. The Chilean system. You don't need 15%. They do on 10%. If you take 10%, and they have to mandate this because people will spend the money. So we know human nature, all right? This doesn't work unless you mandate mm-hmm. that 10% be taken. But they're already mandating 15% be taken. So if you only mandate 10%, you're actually giving people a 5% raise of money, right? 5% less tax. Mm-hmm. So you take 10% of everybody's mm-hmm. money, and you give people a choice. It can go into a stock market mutual fund like the S&P 500. You can go to some kind of real estate mm-hmm. fund, or you can, go, you can buy gold, or you can mix them, whatever you want to do. You pick like four or five things, and that's it. Those are your choices. And you can flip things around right. on the courses, but you cannot touch that money. And I would say 60 years old. So you don't want to raise the mm-hmm. retirement age. You know, what you want to do is make it 60 so that people have enough youthful life left to really do some cool stuff. Like, I don't know, Start Action Radio, yeah. for example, that I started at 57. Right. So by the time you're 60 years old, you're probably going to be able to manage that money pretty carefully. But you can still allocate that you only get so much per month rather than a lump sum. Because you get a lump sum, you might spend it, but then it's been, and we don't want those folks going on welfare. So, yeah, we'll worry about that later. But anyway... If you take 10% – and I talked to Derek about this, our financial uh, guru. I said, well, I said, here's how, here's how Chile does it. So you don't hear about uh, Social Security problems in Chile, do you? Because they don't have Social Security, mm-hmm. right? Right. Mm-hmm. So the countries mm-hmm. that they don't have it, you never hear about because they don't have it. You can't have a problem with something you don't have. So what they have is individual security. And go to the Cato Institute. Uh, the Chilean person that set it up works for Cato. You know, I mean, they've been in and out of the country. It's a fabulous system. You take 10% of everything that, that you earn. From the time you start working at uh, 18, when you were 16, we don't do because that's mm-hmm. high school. But from 18 until 60, you take all the money that somebody earns from 18 until 60, 10% of the wages or self-employment tax, you lower that down to, to 10% also. Put that into a private account. Mm-hmm. When you're 60 years old, you get the money. Now, that's actually your money. <laughs> so the harder you work, the more you produce, the more goes into this 10% account, the more it's compounded. Because you can't touch it, it compounds. I talked to Derek. Mm-hmm. I said, what would happen if everybody, as just a ballpark, just a, just a, a really rough example, that if everybody, an average wage earner, wage earner blah, 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 I can't talk this morning, you know, putting in, the average salary is what, 35000 a year? So they put $3,500 a year into uh, a, a, an investment account. Well, the, and you add that 3500 every year to the, the, the compounding, to the, the growth in the S&P 500, everything else. I said, how, about how much money would people get uh, at the end of their working life, he said about two million dollars, mm-hmm. which means everybody—that yeah, sounds accurate. Everybody becomes a millionaire upon retirement. 
well, not even retirement, right. but just reaching out. I don't even say retirement because we, you know, people work to be 90, you know, and so you still got 30 sure. more years left of, of work. So let's just call it, let's just call it uh, the end of the, the program. So at 60, everybody gets basically average salary $2 million. Now, people who put in welfare shouldn't get anything because that's a problem. There's a great incentive to get off welfare because none of that money, you know, is going into a private account, although it'd be interesting if it did. No, I wouldn't say so. No, just get off welfare and start contributing. But it has to be mandatory because people will spend it, and they're going to want welfare at the end. They're going to want that, uh, that guaranteed government benefit, and, and, and people will be forced to have it because we can't have people dying in the street. So this is a way to get people from dying in the streets, give them a whole bunch of money, and uh, hopefully most of them will, uh, you know, spend it wisely. They'll either get an allocation uh, or a lump sum or somewhere. I don't know. But anyway, you can will it to your family. You can do whatever you want. It's your money. That's how you solve the Social Security problem. The solution to Social Security is to end the program. Right. Case made. What do you think? And there's a couple of things along the way in that, because those who are currently on welfare, I know you're saying that's a great motivation for them to then get off of welfare and start contributing because then they're looking at the fact that they will become millionaires. I think Mm -hmm. that the key factor in that is making people aware of it. There's a lot of ignorance. And there's a lot of people out there that literally live day to day, and they cannot see the forest for the trees. They don't look at the mm-hmm. fact that they would be able to retire with $2 million were they more responsible from the age 18 and up. They're simply work. looking at, I've got, oh, yeah. well, even that, though, there's, there's such a mindset and a mentality that needs to be broken amongst those people of, listen, I'm in a situation. I have three kids. I can't pay my rent. We barely have enough to eat. We need government assistance of some way because I can't get on my feet. And to sit mm-hmm. there and say, well, we're going to end assistance programs of sort, like we're not going to give you social security or we're not going to give you any kind of assistance when it comes to Medicare, they're panicking because they're then saying, what do I do? And I do in a sense feel for them because there's a shifting of the mind that needs to happen, but you can't, you can't put it into place like cold Turkey. It's like, you know, trying to stop smoking. No, You're not no, going you to do, stop no, smoking overnight. No, Stephen Moore exactly. already figured this out. Stephen Moore, the economist mm-hmm. for heritage and everybody else says at 45 years old, that's the break even point. So those that are already over, mm-hmm. over 45 will do better staying in the current Social Security program. Those that are under 45 will do better if it suddenly goes to a 10% independent uh, thing. That's the cutoff. That's how you do yeah. it. It's easy. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But the only mm-hmm. Social Security yeah. should be for those that were on welfare, and they should get that limited, you know, I think the average payment is like mm-hmm. somewhere between twelve and $1,400 is what people get on Social Security. So, month, but the people yeah. that, that work hard are going to get the $2 million. So the incentive is to get off the Social get off the welfare social security bandwagon, but we'd be, it'd be a lot easier to afford social security at 12 to $1,400 a month. If everybody who worked for a living already had an independent account and didn't need it. Yeah, very true. And, and see the way that the social security system works is very similar to the unemployment system. So Mm -hmm. when you are an employer and you are collecting or paying essentially a a two or three or 4%, depending on what state you are in, you're paying a state unemployment rate, and, and this is a tax that you as the employer pay, not your employee. Now, granted, mm-hmm. any tax that an employer pays, technically we all as consumers are paying it because the employer needs to increase the price of their product or service. We mm-hmm. then, as a consumer, have to pay more. So the tax is never truly paid by the employer. It's always paid by the consumer. Mm-hmm. But the, the way the system works of paying in is so similar because they are quarterly putting funds into a pool of sort. So you can work for an employer 20 years, never be laid off, never quit, never anything. But that employer is consistently paying unemployment tax on you that should you go in and file for unemployment, you would be able to then draw from a pool. 
And then mm-hmm. the state individually looks at your wages that you earned over the course of a look back period. And they'll say, okay, you know, you were taking home $600 a week. We're going to give you $300 in unemployment benefits as you are unemployed and seeking out employment elsewhere. Again, mm-hmm. an arbitrary number that the state determined and a tax that the employer has paid in like a Ponzi scheme of sorts. You have no say in it. It's not that, mm-hmm. oh, well, I worked $600 with my take home. I should be able to get $600 until I find another job. No. The state determines it. They say, I don't care. Here's what we're going to give you. And then if they have not paid enough, let's say an employer only has one employee. They're paying into a pool where a factory might be competing with 2,500 employees. That Mm -hmm. factory that lays off 500 people of their workforce, that little employer that's paying tax in, that money's going to them. Hmm. Same thing. The individual is not getting money that the employer paid on their behalf. It's not allocated as Jane Doe. Here's the money to give Jane Doe in case Jane Doe ever declares unemployment. No, it goes into the state pool, and then the state looks at every employer across the board that lays anybody off, and they come in and they claim unemployment, and now they're allocating funds as they see fit. And and COVID was huge in that because they put the, the penalty comes into place when you lay off your employees. The state does not want you doing that. They don't want you firing or laying off employees. They, they don't want to pay unemployment out. So what do they do? The more employees that claim unemployment under your employer umbrella, they mm-hmm. raise the rate for the following year. They say, well, last year we only charged you 1% tax rate, but you had like 50 people that claimed unemployment. We're bumping up your unemployment rate to 2% for the next year because you need to pay in a little bit more. Obviously, if we got to pay this much out, you're not paying enough in to cover that. So we're increasing your rate. COVID comes along, and nationwide, it was against the law to increase the unemployment rate. So everybody stayed the same, and yet the government had to pay out for over a year to some of these people that were unemployed. No employer paid in enough for the states to be able to to pay those funds out. There were negative numbers across the board, and they weren't even allowed to raise the rate the following year to make up for it because the federal government said, no, this is an emergency. It's a you know, we're going to give everybody COVID yeah, checks, and that's going to help that. offset it. You know, and, and, and that was the big myth. The federal government couldn't do that. The federal government has no more powers mm-hmm. in an emergency than it has any other time. Right. It's still subordinate to the states. Right. The federal government – and this is what I never understand, and, and Pianchi's big on this too. We talk about this all the time. The federal government, the Supreme Court, could not enforce Roe v. Wade. That was an unconstitutional decision. Every state in the country should mm-hmm. have said pound sand. The government could not enforce mm-hmm. you know, um, bans on evictions. They could not enforce, mm-hmm. you know, bans on rent increase. They could not enforce, right. they cannot cancel student loans. They can't do any of this stuff. Right. You know, mm-hmm. unless you believe in a dictatorship, that's the only way these things can happen. So the idea that they could pay people unemployment for years, for a couple of years during COVID, mm-hmm. and the federal government said they had mm-hmm. to. No, they didn't. They did it on their own. They did it voluntarily. It's like when the, when the CDC, and the CDC is actually right in this. When they said, oh, we just issued guidelines. We didn't tell anybody to do a mandate. But people took it right. as, as the effective law because they don't know. They don't understand. They don't know that the Constitution mm-hmm. was ordained by God and mm-hmm. established by man, and it has no off switch. You know, going to mandate. Right. You can't cancel any part of it. There is, no, there is yeah. no suspension clause. There is no restriction clause. There is no the Supreme Court can make law clause. There is no interpretations clause. There is no judicial review clause. There is no, you know, policies of, of the executive, you know, can be different than the laws that they're under. Now, none of that exists. You can't make, mm-hmm. The president can't make war and then go to Congress and say, look what I did. No, it didn't work that way. 
Now we so the, so the problem is enforcement, and the only way to enforce this is the right. states need to get off their wallowing fat butts and do what they're supposed to do, yes. which is protect their people by enforcing the Constitution, by holding the federal government accountable to the Constitution that they wrote, that they created. The mm-hmm. states did that. I just had a comment this morning. In fact, I put it on. The, um, there was a comment on on the, it's at the international. Action Radio International Group, talking about health regulations. And they said, well, the World Health Organization, if they make a treaty, that treaty is binding because the treaty is the supreme law of the land. Like, no, it's not. The, the, the supremacy clause yeah. only covers things that are authorized by the United States or the United States is authorized to do. What authorizes the United States, in other words, the federal government, to do anything? The Constitution. The states authorize what the federal government can do. And if it's not in the Constitution, mm-hmm. no treaty in the world has any power beyond the Constitution. Because the, well, the federal government can't make a treaty. As well. What's that? Mm-hmm. States have the individual constitutions as well. Well, they do. But what I'm saying is that the federal government cannot make a, cannot make a treaty that contradicts the, the rights of Americans under the Constitution. They can't do it. It has right. no effect. But the question is, are, is the, are the states and the, you know, and the Congress going to enforce that? If, if, the, if Brandon well, Obama, the current illegal occupant of the White House, makes a World Health Organization treaty and signs it, is that binding? Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> not at all. No. It's not binding because they cannot exceed the authority um, beyond the Constitution. No treaty can right. be binding. Now, the government, if the government makes a treaty with another government, that's on them. It's going to have to do with us. Yeah. yeah, right. Okay. What do you think? Then I bring up Yankee. He wants to ask a question, it looks like. Oh, you have issues, first of all? I mean, issues. Like, I said that's so funny. I mean, being funny. What are your issues, Bonnie? <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> I want to make sure we get to your questions, though, because we can get off on tangents like we just did. Let me, let me bring up Pianki for a question. I think it's probably relevant to what we're talking about with Social Security. Then we'll get back to uh, the big question. Okay, you're on now. Post, you're on now, Pianki. Yeah, Social Security would work fine, but look at the things that you're paying for. When a spouse or a young child loses a parent, then your Social Security comes in and, and, and makes up that difference. When people I have difficulty that. with food, clothing, and home, Social Security come in. See, what Social Security has done is took the place of the family and also the other charitables like churches. You have to have yeah, a, a family to pick up those loose ends. That's not for the rest of society to pick up those loose ends, and that's why Social Security is in problem is, is in the trouble it is. And another thing, you have to have uh, like thirty three credit years before you can collect anything on Social Security, and employers who they are incentivized for not laying off their employees. In other words, keep them working. But That's if you lay off too, your yeah. employees, then your yeah. rates go up. Yeah. Yeah, let's get – let's do one more thing on Social Security. Then we know we have other more uh, other controversial topics we want to get into. But it's apparently making good points. Uh, disability I don't have a problem with, but Social Security as welfare I do because it's just more welfare. So that makes perfect sense. Bonnie? Yeah, no, I agree. And and even things that are as simple as food assistance with all the stipulations that are there, you know, more and more they've come out with guidelines in states for saying, like, we're not going to assist you unless you take continued drug tests. And obviously, if you fail one, then there's some assistance needed in getting you help. And I think that's important because we need to look out for one another. And we don't want to just encourage enabling behavior. We need mm-hmm. to make sure that everyone is being responsible. But Social Security does come in to cover a, a variety of things, so why not make separate programs? Instead of having one huge umbrella take care of everything, why not make individualized custom programs 
that are mandated by even the states or the local government. Mm -hmm. And honestly, all of these things would be solved if the simple issue of things like the church would step up and do what it has been known to do all along, and that is be a community. Reach out to those in need locally, and you start at the local level, and you never get to a level to where it's such a huge national problem that there's people saying, I've got to depend on the government for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you mentioned something earlier. You were talking about a family with three kids. You know, they can't afford, you know, whatever it was. I'm like, well, if they can't afford it, why do they have three kids? You know, in other words, you want to, you, the, the welfare payment for kids should be a, a, a flat fee. Mm-hmm. So whether you have one or five, mm-hmm. if you have five kids, that's your problem. If mm-hmm. you can't afford five kids, then, then they become wards of the state. So don't have them. <laughs> you know, you want to keep your kids, don't have kids, you mm-hmm. can't afford. I mean, that, that's, there's another way to, to cut costs and, uh, and uh, all kinds of other things. Okay, let's, let's get to some of the, um, what else do we have? What else you got? Well, I, I was Next actually researching Mike Johnson. I was very curious oh, about finding yeah. out Good about mm-hmm. yes, his history. Yes. So I was actually looking at some of the stuff that he has done in the past, and I was fascinated by his viewpoints and how this – I'm, I'm going to say like he, he's kind of like a nobody. Like nobody knew who he was before he was given this position. But looking at his history, he backed Amy Coney's nomination to the Supreme Court. He defended Trump in the, in the impeachment hearings. He voted against certifying the 2020 election. He opposes gender-affirming care. He opposes gay marriage. He supports ending the Ukraine military aid funding. He supported Trump's Muslim ban. And in 2016, he stop, 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 yeah, stop. It yeah. wasn't, a, it wasn't mm-hmm. a Muslim ban. It was not a Muslim ban. Well, that's what it's called. It's, it was the executive I, order uh, that we, was supposed to put... It was a travel ban from countries that sponsor terrorists. Okay. Let's call it that. But it's worded as the Muslim ban by by the general consensus. That's what they call it. Okay, they also say fossil fuels, and we call them organic. We change language here. You cannot, you know, it's not not an assault weapon. It's a freedom rifle. Okay? We never Mm -hmm. say President Mm -hmm. Biden. Why? Because there's no such thing. We never say the Biden administration. I never want to use words. I'm I'm getting after you. I'm just, I'm just, uh, I want to make this clear by listening that we do not here Mm -hmm. at Action Radio use terms that are inaccurate or wrong just because it's politically convenient. I'm not going to do that. Sure. So let's rename it. No, I agree. Countries, there was a ban on. How about a terrorist ban? (laughs) Terrorist ban. That's, thank you very much. Continue, yeah. please. <laughs> so he, he supported that. And then in 2016, yep. he actually won his seat in the northwest corner of his state by more than 30, a Democrat who was pro-life and pro-gun. And mm-hmm. he still won. He I also got a question. The un- yeah. Yeah. How come he doesn't have a southern accent? <laughs> that I don't know. Maybe it's because oh, come on, you he's a, a lawyer and, and he was... I, I, well, I didn't research why he doesn't have an accent. I mean, I know he's from you, Louisiana, but he's also a lawyer. He's from Shreveport, no, Louisiana. I How come really he doesn't sound like uh, Kennedy? I have Senator listened Kennedy. to him speak. I literally have not listened to him speak. I have oh, only been funny. doing paper research. Yeah. So yeah, I wasn't judging like him Ohio. by the way he sounded. Okay, I'm just curious. <laughs> he does have a southern accent. Let me, yeah. let me bring Pianchi back. I want to ask him about that, too, if he wondered that as well. Pianchi, did you wonder that, why Mike Johnson... From Shreveport, Louisiana, doesn't have a southern accent. No, but he's an excellent politician. People that don't oh, live fabulous. in the state of Louisiana tend to your own politicians. Hmm. So here's a guy alone. with a guy without a southern accent in Shreveport, Louisiana, with a thirty percent, you know, pre, you know, approval in the election. Who I just find that fascinating. I don't know, people. Well, north, always, northwest, 
Northwest Louisiana is not the Delta. And he's a pretty, him and his young wife adopted a, a 14-year-old black male, so he's ahead of the curve. Okay, well, that makes sense. I didn't know can that I, either. Bonnie? Well, can I, I also can tell you that he has a history with the Southern Baptist Convention, so I know that it's deeply rooted in the South. But here's the flip side of that. And I do not mean to demean anyone in the South. I love a good accent. Southern accents are great. They are beautiful. Man, but we have a Southern accent here all the time. Somebody... So, uh, go ahead. I'll try I know. That's what I'm saying. Truck. We have a good time. So, yeah, my, my, once again, my, my uh, apologies to my redneck brethren with my accent, but that's how we do it around here. So go ahead, Bonnie. You tell me what you think. <laughs> well, if you go before a judge and you're in a court and you're trying to plead somebody's case and you sit there and say, oh, well, you know what? I just have to say this, this person is guilty or innocent. Either way, I know you're not taking me seriously because you're just looking at me picturing me on a porch with a glass of lemonade. Oh, sweet tea. You have to, you literally have to kill the accent to be taken seriously. And he's a corporate lawyer. So if he's going to stand in court and argue somebody's case, he's not going to sit there and say, well, sweetly, they, my, my, I'm so sorry on the toilet. I'm just going to get my case. You have to Wait be professional. So you kill hey, the I accent. I saw Gregory Peck in, in To Kill a Mockingbird. He has Southern accent, even though he made it up. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh-huh, yeah. No, it's well, true. No, you're absolutely right. There are no Southern broadcasters uh, that have Southern accents. No. You don't find them in Atlanta. You don't find them in Nashville. Point. You don't find them in New Orleans. But why is that? No, now, and when I you purposely come... well, find look them for Baton Rouge. You find okay, them in Baton Rouge. Moon, on there, Moon, he has a very strong Southern accent. So it just uh-huh. depends. There's a difference between the accent of... People in St. Louis and people in Chicago in the states are right next to each other. No, but the point is the southern accent. Yeah, no, I know they're different accents. On you know, the California's like, I like the surf today is great, and I got the San Diego surf report. Right, I come on down to you know. But the thing is, the southern accent, there's a prejudice against southern accents. That's the point the body's making. And I agree. yes, hmm. there definitely is. There's a there's a um, a stereotype that says if you have a southern accent, you are unintelligent. Mike Johnson is not unintelligent. He is right. a smart cookie, and he is a conservative, strong man who is going to fight for the right. Right now, he's going head-to-head with Biden, saying, we are not going to fund Ukraine. We need to stop taking the money that we gave to the IRS to try and increase the number of audits on the middle-class citizens of America and put somebody on a phone. Oh, we're going to hire you know, two billion more agents to just sit on the phone and say, thank you for calling. Please continue <laughs> to hold. Wait a minute. Do you know how many agents... Do you know how many armed agents? Here's a good research topic because I actually look into this. How many armed yes. uh, agents of the federal government there are? How many armed bureaucrats do we have, roughly? Do you know? I'm not. This isn't a test. This is just a curiosity. I don't know the number. Two hundred eighty-seven thousand. Two hundred eighty-seven thousand. Okay. This this comes from Andrei, uh, Andrew Andrew Andrzejewski, the Polish guy, right? Who works for Open the Books? Mm-hmm. He runs Open the Books. Now, mm-hmm. how many combat Marines do we have? Just out of comparison. Combat Marines, wow. I would guess at least 500,000 or more. Mm-mm, 185,000. We have really? 100,000 more armed bureaucrats than we have combat Marines. Mm. Just for a point of reference. Mm-mm-mm. Back to you. Well, just for a point of reference on that, I saw video footage of when they were training IRS agents with guns, and it was hysterical because they were literally going through a training, and half of the people, women especially, didn't even know how to hold a gun. And it was picked apart and ridiculed by different 
podcasting hosts as they're looking at the footage of it and they're literally seeing people not even know how to hold a gun properly. Where, where, Some wait of them wait, wait, have been kicked back so this. hard. I want, I want this video on our gun okay. project, Action Radio Gun Project. I will go yeah, back. I will get it. Yeah. I, yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I got it from the Daily Wire and, and found it. Yep, mm-hmm. I will make a note right now. I will find it for you. It's hysterical. So why would you arm IRS agents anyway when they can seize all your assets with a computer? The, oh. Apparently, it's training them in deadly force so that they have the premise that if you came in and audited them and they got unruly, they'd be able to defend themselves. That's the only thing I've been able to figure out is but that you don't they're have trained to in even... that. But we know better. Yeah. The IRS seizes assets all the time. They just do it by computer. They, you never see them. They mm-hmm. just take stuff. I had a refund. Yeah. I, I'll tell you a personal story. I had a, a dispute. The state of Massachusetts, excuse me, the Commonwealth of Massachusetts said I owed them money. I said, okay, fine. Send me my return. Show me where I made my mistake and uh, I'll pay it. And they never did. Well, we can't find your, your uh, return. Well, then how do you know I made a mistake? You've got to prove to me that I made a mistake before I got to fork over money. This went on for like four years. So finally, they sent it to the IRS. They sent it to the federal government. Federal government I said, the federal government says, you owe Massachusetts so much money. I said, okay, fine. Not a problem. Mm-hmm. Tell me where. Show, mm-hmm. Send me my return. Because I didn't, you know, it was papers back then. I said, I don't, you know, it was like five years later or something like that. I said, okay, just show me right. where I made my mistake and I'll pay it. Not a problem. I understand that. Mm-hmm. I might dispute the interest because you guys were late in telling me, but I said, okay, not a problem. Just show me. And the IRS says, well, we don't have the paperwork. Go back to Massachusetts. I already went to Massachusetts. They don't have the paperwork. We're forcing this anyway. Well, you can't. Cause you, you, know, you, can't, you can't take money from me unless you show me that I actually did something wrong, right? They took it anyway. They took it out of the next year's refund. And it would cost me more money to get my refund back you know, than it would have to, uh, you know, to than the cost of the money they took from me for my refund. They took it completely illegally. There was no proof I'd done anything wrong. They never sent me the return. They never showed me where I made my error. They just claimed that I made an error and took the money. And it was all done by computer. They, they didn't need a gun for that. They just, they just pushed a button, seized my money, right. all unjustly. So, yeah, there's no reason to arm anybody in the IRS. No, I agree. It, it should mm-hmm. not be something that's allowed. And when I first found out about it, I didn't even know. I was shocked. I did mm-hmm. not know that they, that they even had the training in weapons. It didn't make sense to me because, as you said, everything is done with oh, paper listen. in an office and you mail everything away. Yeah. NOAA. Do you know NOAA, the National Oceanographic and Atmospheric Association, the weather people? They have a SWAT okay. team. Right? So if, you, if they give a really bad weather forecast, they've got a SWAT team. <laughs> you know, Department of Education has a SWAT team. The Mint Police have a SWAT team. Almost every government agency has a SWAT team. Why? Now, have you seen our bill? Uh, that disarms all of those people because nothing in the Constitution allows a bureaucrat to be armed? To be that way. There's no need well, for Well, I know, but just, I'm just saying, and, research, research that bill. It's the, it's the uh, Unconstitutional Armed Bureaucrat Act. So it disarms okay. all those people, and, and Pianca and I have talked about this too. It, there's only three crimes in the federal government that are, that are able to be enforced. Piracy, treason, and counterfeiting. Income tax is not mentioned. There's no authority in the Income Tax Act that gives the, the federal government the ability to enforce it under force of arms. Ooh, isn't that interesting? Yeah, Let's and look it. Let's look the, it up. the flip side of that, the, yeah, we can look it up for sure. My question in all of that is why mm-hmm. are they trying to take guns away from, you know, basically strip the Second Amendment away from the American citizen, and yet they're still continuing to train IRS agents in guns? I'll, what gives I'll tell them you the why. authority to say... <laughs> because the Second Amendment is now reversed, where the government has all the guns they want and the people can't have them. They've actually reversed the right. Second Amendment. That's what they've done. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That's their goal. Mm-hmm. But we have to change that. Well, and we can. Go ahead, Bianchi. Well, another thing, federal agents should check in with the sheriff before they come knocking at your door. Agreed. The, mm-hmm. sheriff, the sheriff is elected and has territorial jurisdiction over the people that elected them. IRS can't come knocking right. at your door. And if they do, you open the door and they're there, tell them, check with the sheriff and shut the door. But if they weren't armed to begin with, see, only local and state officials should be armed anyway, because states have police powers. Local right. governments have police powers. They're the only people who should be armed. So if you disarm the FBI, then they can, they can check it if they want. But since they don't have any guns and shouldn't be able to carry them, and this is where states need to start declaring that federal officers in their states cannot carry arms. Oh, wouldn't that be interesting? Hmm. Hmm. I'm looking at the 16th Amendment right now. Here we go. 16th Amendment. February 3rd, 1913, the year of freedom died. The Congress shall have the power to lay and collect taxes on incomes from whatever source derived without apportionment among the several states and without regard to any census or enumeration. Well, that's the first one that should be repealed, right? Mm-hmm. Do you see anything here about gun, about enforcing with guns? I don't. I, I didn't, I didn't no. see the, the gun no. part. Yeah, okay. All right. yeah. Point made. Back to you, Bonnie. <laughs> well, the next thing that I actually found extremely interesting is the fact that um, Florida is now ranked as the number one destination in the U.S. This is the second year in a row for state-to-state hmm. migration, while California came in dead last. From where? So, so, from so, so from, from anywhere. From huh. from absolutely anywhere. Florida is ranked number one. People are moving to Florida over any other state from any other state. However, huh. for California, they came in dead last. People are leaving California in droves, where, where basically Florida gained over 450,000 people, and mm-hmm. California lost almost 750,000 people hmm. in the last two years. And people That's are leaving blue states that, that restricted their freedoms during COVID, moving to red states with more freedom. And in the process of that, California has seen an increase in crime, and Florida hmm. has seen a drop. That's interesting. You know why? Because the hardworking industrial people now the hardworking industrious people are, are moving to Florida they want to make money and they don't want an income tax and the criminals are staying behind where the, the victims and the welfare is. Well, and Florida also is a state that strongly protects with Governor DeSantis there the individual constitutional rights. So people can carry guns. They are mm-hmm. basically awarded their freedoms in that state, where in California everything's being stripped away. As we see, yeah. police is being robbed in the open, and there's no repercussions. Take what you want, empty my shelves, go ahead, and you can't even take them to court. The -hmm. store owners can't back it up. They're not allowed to fire a gun at a robber who comes in. So obviously, crime's going up in California as people are leaving in droves, which I find so astonishing. And on top of that, their their economy is so struggling. And obviously, with people leaving, your economy is going to struggle in the state. They only had a 1.2% growth during the first quarter of this year, while Florida is ranked as the best in the nation and the number one in economic freedom, as well as the leading in the country in new business startups. And Newsom and DeSantis are set to debate one another on November 30th. Mm-hmm. With statistics like that, I feel like DeSantis is crushing Newsom. Like, it's where's the debate? All he has to do is lay the facts out and pretty much walk away from the podium and say, do what you will with that, people. The proof is in the pudding. Actually... The proof of the pudding is in the eating. Why would you put proof in pudding? 
Well, actually, you proof yeast. When you, when you make bread, it's you called You do proof yeast, but that's the yeast rises. But, but the expression is the mm-hmm. proof of the pudding is in the eating. In other words, it, 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 you're tasting. That's where the proof is. But why would you put proof in right. pudding? And yet everybody says it. <laughs> I'm looking at Brace while we're talking That's here, food so. for thought, Greg. That's, oh, that's proverbial food for thought. Literally, thank you. <laughs> so the rental rate. For you know Utah, another thing to mention before her hour is up? In Oklahoma, the educational superintendent told book publishers to keep your books, take them to New York and California if they contain CRT and woke information. We don't want them. Okay. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at the U-Haul rates right now between uh, Miami and San Francisco, uh, and then San Francisco to Miami. <laughs> Let's see what it is. Miami to San Francisco is, is $3,700 for some reason. I'm not sure why that's so expensive. I don't remember being that, that expensive with me. We'll see what it takes to, to rent from uh, – it's probably a lot more let's, – let's reverse it. Pick up location, San Francisco. Should be a lot cheaper going to uh, – yeah, actually. So let's see what it is to Miami. So leaving California, what is it? Yeah, Miami. Today, get the rates. No, it's the same. Oh, that's that's crazy. Okay, I guess they haven't changed it. Huh, 3700 both ways. It used to be, when I rented U-Hauls, it was three times more expensive uh, to uh, rent a U-Haul leaving California because they didn't have any <laughs> than it was to move to California. Mm. Now they've made it expensive Well, and I'm not surprised. <laughs> U-Hauls made it expensive Yeah, well, yeah. and with... California has Clean Air Act in place, so now you're probably not even allowed to enter the state lines with a U-Haul because it burns too much fossil fuel. <laughs> so organic fuels, Bonnie. Or organic <laughs> I'm, fuels. Sorry, I'm really yeah. picking on you today. I, I, I'm sorry. Okay, so we got about 12 minutes left. Let's. Uh, there was something else that we that I think I mentioned. I forgot what it was. There was some other scandal, wasn't there? Well, you you mentioned uh, Matthew Perry's death being investigated, oh, yeah. and that is still up for investigation. Drowning in a hot tub. Yeah. What are the I, chances? How many people have drowned in hot right. tubs, by the way? Do you know? I don't. Well, I mean, there's wondering. been Whitney Houston, for one, her daughter, for two. This is not uncommon with drug users or anybody that would even be overweight or predisposed to some kind of a, an attack of, you know, internal, whether it's heart attack or, or whatever. Really? But, yeah. I'm, I'm not familiar with this. Yes. Huh. You're not familiar with this? No. It's very, it's very common. If you're going to get in a hot tub of hot water, you're not supposed to stay in it indefinitely because it does raise your body temperature. It's not safe to stay in it for long periods of time. And if you're already intoxicated and or on some kind of substance, you're not probably able to even recognize how long you've been in there because you lose track of time. And it's very easy to drown. I don't see any kind of foul play in Matthew Perry's death. He struggled incredibly with drugs throughout his life. So I look at it as completely normal for that to have happened to him. And, and it's sad. I'm, I'm terribly sad that, that he's gone. But at the same time, I was terribly sad when Whitney Houston died. Same thing. And I bet you anything when they come back with the toxicology reports, we're going to find out that there was something in his system. Yeah, I'll tell you what was in his system, a COVID shot. Well, that too. Ooh. It's very possible. Most, most celebrities did. Yep. Especially the liberal ones. So there's the yes. thing. So, so the yes. question is, how does COVID, uh, how does the COVID shot, the spike proteins, the blood clots, the strokes and everything else, how does that react with, a, with someone who's been abusing drugs most of their life? There's a question. Right. For that was a question. 
Yes, that's the question for next week because that was one that we actually posed last week, and I want to okay. look more into that. However, yeah. in regard to COVID, one other topic I wanted to bring up is something that people may not be aware of. Two interesting things have happened in our local pharmacies. Mm. First of all, CVS, am amongst other drug chains, have begun removing oral cough and cold medicines like Sudafed and Mucinex and Vicks and Allegra and Dayquil because the FDI came out and concluded that the active ingredient phenylephrine is not effective in providing relief from nasal congestion. So when I first saw that article, I was immediately alarmed. Now they're pulling cold medicine off the shelf, claiming that phenylephrine is ineffective to give you any kind of relief from symptoms. Then just this past week, they are now removing eye drops, basically saying there were insanitary conditions in the, the factories where they were being produced. They won't even specify which manufacturer. They won't specify what unsanitary thing entered the strain. They are simply removing them. So you go and try and find Visine right now, you're going to find a shortage. So first the so, cough and cold medicine, now eye drops on top of it, and I'm thinking, what are they trying to do artificially? Yank any kind of relief off the shelf for self-remedy before the next COVID strain is introduced, and now you're forced to go to the doctor, get the shot, because they're going to scare you to death and say, you won't even get relief from COVID if you don't get your vaccine. How about that? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I was wondering, my first question was, do these products work? Have you ever used them? I don't use those products. Visine maybe yes. once when I was, a, you know, like sunburn time and my yes. eyes were burned too. But uh, yeah, yes. Visine works last time I they tried work. it. And that was, okay, yes. so they work. So they're removing products. Yes. So this is this is the real scan. This is the key part of the story. So they're actually removing products that work. Are they, uh, yes. are they issuing any studies on penal reference, whatever it's called? I probably mispronounced that. What was that? Penalephrine? There we go. Thank you. Penalephrine. What is mm -hmm. that? What is that? It's a, it's a decongestant, and it's been in cold medicines as long as I've been alive, and it's one of the only things that works. If you try some of the off-brand types of cold medicine or some of the homeopathic things, you do not get relief. The phenylephrine literally removes whatever it does to your cells in the body or, or whatever it's actually doing. It does actually work as a decongestant. I myself, any cold I've had, I cannot breathe if I don't take NyQuil at night when I am sick like that. Or I'm going to sit there with my mouth open and I'm going to go, you know, dry out my throat trying to breathe. It's one of the few things that actually makes it tolerable to have a cold. So if you yank any sort of comfort off of the shelf that's been proven for 50 plus years to work, now everybody's going to panic all the more and say, oh, no, I can't get COVID. I won't even be able to work. I'll be so miserable. I won't be able to breathe. And Yeah. Do these products work it's with COVID? artificial fear. Do these products work to I make mean, you breathe my... easier with COVID? Yes, absolutely they do. I myself use okay. Mucinex. Our whole family dealt with something that would have been considered, like, I, I did not, I refused to get the test, but I know I had COVID. I know I did, but I absolutely refused to go get the test. I dealt with it. I got through it with cold medicine, a couple of weeks of feeling really, really lethargic, and then I was back on my feet again, and I pushed through it. I, I work out every day, so I made sure that I continued that to make my lungs continue to stay strong. When my husband got it, it hit him a completely different way. He was sick to his stomach, couldn't eat, lost 15 pounds, and he didn't have any weight to spare as it was. But he wow. also bounced back. None of us got the COVID vaccine. And we were all well, fine no, over-the-counter products. COVID is only no, dangerous to people that have comorbidities. It's only dangerous to those that have a bad heart, bad lungs. You know, mm -hmm. they already have mm -hmm. uh, a severe case of diabetes or they're really old. We knew in the beginning right. that, that COVID affected less than, than point. What was it? It was 99.9% .9 of the population was fine. 
So 0.1% of the population yes. had a problem. 0.1% is not a lot of people. Right. 0.1% of 330 right. million people is like, what, 60,000. <laughs> it's a really small percentage. Right. Right. And, so, and obviously they made elder, elderly and newborns the most predisposed because of their, their um, vulnerability. Your immune system is compromised at the youngest and at the oldest of age. Well, how many newborns died of, of COVID? Not very many. But look yeah. at the fear that they put out there to the, all the poor oh, the fear. mothers that were – oh, it was terrible. The government killed more people. See, we've talked about this forever on COVID, that, that what killed COVID yeah. was, was Dr. Fascist, the CDC, the FDA, the government mandates, the fear, the masks, the closures, mm-hmm. the closures of the churches, the closures of anything decent. You know, the lost businesses, yeah. you know, Walmart was open, but, uh, you know, Joe's grocery store was closed, you know, and so that's right. what killed people. The addictions, the, the mm-hmm. drug addictions, the alcohol addictions, you know, all this, the assaults, the rapes, the, the murders that happened, the, the desperation of people, the fear. That's what killed people. Mm-hmm. COVID didn't kill people. Absolutely. Anywhere near that number. No, no. Yeah. It, and not only did it kill people, but it gave them diseases that they're now dealing with, like all of the cases of neuropathy that are out there now because of the vaccine. Because of that fear of making sure that, oh, you better get your vaccine and then your booster and then your second booster and then your third booster and then your 52nd booster and your 652nd booster and, and going and going and going. Mm-hmm. And that constant perpetual, well, you have to do this because if you don't, you're a bad person. Well, how mm-hmm. dare you put other people's lives in danger by making such a selfish choice as to not get vaccinated? Don't, don't you understand? Yeah, but you weren't, here's the irony. Neighbor. You weren't getting vaccinated. You were getting vaccinated. You were getting a gene therapy. You're were, you were getting gene modifications. Mm-hmm. You were getting you were getting all yeah. kinds of things. But you and what you were really getting was more COVID. It's it's a self perpetuating marketing right. device. Nobody has COVID like those well, that have had a COVID shot. Right, right. And yeah. along with that, I go back to what Judy Mikovits said several mm-hmm. weeks ago when you had her on, and she said that every vaccine that was after a certain year had all kinds of things in it. And we've been injecting. Mm-hmm. I think it was after the year two thousand two or something like that. But, mm-hmm. you know, we, we are putting it into our kids under good faith. Well, this is strictly a polio vaccine. This is strictly a tuberculosis. This is strictly whooping cough. No, you know, not. putting all of this into exactly, exactly. Yeah. And it's predisposing them to getting all kinds of issues with their immune system along the way instead of letting nature take its course. And when mm-hmm. people came out like Jenny McCarthy, when she first came out and, and publicly announced, I am not vaccinating my son. I believe her son's name is Ethan at the age of five or six or whatever he was at the time. And she was a strong proponent of not vaccinating your kids because she felt like it led to his, his autism. People Mm -hmm. looked at her like she was out of her mind. And Mm -hmm. now more and more people as this information comes out are like, wow, she was actually right. Like Mm, people recognize it. And you're, you're always going to have people on the far left of the issue that are going to say, Oh no, you're, you're a kook, you know, you're conspiracy theorist, whatever. But there's so much truth in it, and there's so much connection in it, and it goes right from the vaccine into the pharmaceutical companies pushing drugs. And every time you diagnose a child with ADHD and you put them on Ritalin, it then has side effects that you now need to treat with yet another drug and yet another drug, and that causes Mm -hmm. another side effect. Well, let's get another drug. And the problem is always fixed with more drugs, more pharmaceuticals. What a greedy, corrupt industry that entire industry is, and it makes me sick. Well, we can fix it. They are literally killing our nation. Well, absolutely. <laughs> oh, absolutely. With, but with people have to start refusing. With legislation. Yeah, but people have to start yes. refusing. And here's the other thing I talked to Judy yes, Michaels about. I said, I said of these diseases, diphtheria, you know, tetanus, pertussis, whooping cough, 
the same thing, measles, mumps, rubella, all that kind of I said, what's rubella? I said, are any of these diseases prevalent in the country? She said, no, most of them haven't been seen for 100 no. years. I said, what are people worried about? Yep. Well, it's all fear. And here's the, ne- mm-hmm. and the next one, question. I said, are there any of these diseases that are, fatable, that are fatal and untreatable? She said, no. So they're all easily treatable. So we've become a, a society yeah. that's preventing diseases that almost never happen where we already have cures right. for them. Well, I would much rather risk getting a disease, you know, and if my immune system fails, getting it treated. I don't mind that. I don't mind mm-hmm. getting I've been sick before. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd much rather risk that right. when the chances are, are, are supremely greater by an infant, infant you know, an, an amazing, you know, infinite amount. I'm not going to get the disease in the first mm-hmm. place. So why exactly. would you risk? Why, why are your parents risking the future of the kids? The kids are not vaccinated hardly at all. A couple of things, the, the classic ones. And this is back in the 90s yeah. when, when, when she was a kid. But uh, she only got, the, you know, I think two. And then they gave her a hepatitis mm-hmm. B shot against my will. I found out about it. I hit the roof. I screamed. I said, how dare you do that? I told you specifically not to yeah. get that vaccine. Why did you do it? Well, we thought it was in her mm-hmm. best interest. And, uh, you know, they, and then they said, uh, well, she might, you know, sit on a needle on a bus when she's, you know, a teenager. I said, that's your reason? Right. I said, we're out of here. And yeah. I, signed a, yeah. I said, I said yeah. take me to the front desk. I am signing us out of this program right now. How dare you? Mm-hmm. You know, and we, we left. It yeah. was Kaiser. Which is a big program out west in California. Kaiser's as big as Sacred Heart, you know, Ascension is around here, and some of the other big things. But yeah, yeah, we left. So you can't do that to well, my kid. Mm-hmm. But they did. No, you couldn't no, take and, it back. Of, but uh, of, she never got another one. Yeah. One of the other questions, though, in conjunction with that, is I'm questioning when it comes to joining the military. Because anybody who joins the military is essentially giving them free reign over their bodies and saying, inject in me what you will. I commit myself to the government and anything it wants to put in me. And now people that are in the military standing up against getting the COVID vaccine are being ousted. And they're being mm-hmm. involuntarily ousted. They're, they're being told, you can't serve in the military if you refuse this vaccine. And I'm looking at it like, okay, well, they have the individual right to refuse anything. But at the same time, they did sign on to the military. And when you do that, you pretty much give government reign over your body. You say, but you, you, you don't give up your constitutional you rights. Wanna, no, but you don't, you don't give, give up your constitutional, constitutional rights. rights. No. But also no. COVID, and, and this federal law that, that says that you cannot be forced to take an, uh, uh, an experimental drug. It's right. I, in fact, I have it all the time. I'm going to pull it for you right now. It's right in federal law. Mm-hmm. Nobody had to, was, could be mandated to take the COVID shot because it was, it was experimental. So right. no company could fire you. No government agency could require it. It was all BS. Mm-hmm. I'll find it. And yet they did. Somebody. They did. Well, but people, again, people consented to it. So the problem, there's two yeah. things going on. One, government's just, you know, requiring things that they cannot require, and people are complying with things that they have no business complying with or don't have to comply with, and yet they do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, why mm-hmm. do states comply with Roe v. Wade? Roe v. Wade was an opinion of the Supreme Court. It's not law. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not a policy. They can't enforce it. Supreme Court doesn't have a police force. They can't arrest you for not complying with Roe v. Wade. Why do people comply with it mm-hmm. for 50 years, waiting for the Supreme Court to finally get around to turning around? Why were people waiting mm-hmm. for that? There's no reason for it. They never had the authority to make it in the first place. Well, again, that it boils true. down to Yeah. Can I say something? Sure. Yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Is she about done with her report? Because I want to untie tie my rope around my chair because with her raising of a pitch and the voice has me leaning this way and leaning that way <laughs> well, and bowing for Bianca's in life. She had so much excitement in her reporting. 
<laughs> We're going to summarize anyway because Bianca's on the line. I want to, I want to get to uh, Bianca's report here in just a second. I just want to quote this one law. So, Frankie, you go ahead first. Then I'll get this law. Then we'll get to, uh, uh, Bonnie's closing words. And then we'll, we'll – we'll, boy, this hour went fast. <laughs> oh, no. It's, it's exciting. Go ahead and continue. Thank you, Bianchi. <laughs> all right. Let me give you the law then. And I post this all the time. I've given it to protesters. I've given it to doctors, nurses, people, anybody that wants. It's right here. 21 U.S. Code, Section 360BBB-3. Authorization for medical products. Subpart E, conditions of authorization. Subpart 1, unapproved products. Subpart A, required conditions. Subpart I, two, two little I's, appropriate conditions designed to ensure that individuals to whom the product is administered are informed. Subpart three of the option two, and here we go, accept, and here's the big words, or refuse administration of the product, of the consequences, if any, of refusing administration of the product, and of the alternatives, hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, one more time, hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, the alternatives to the product that are available and of their benefits and risks. It's right there. 21 U.S. Code Section 360BBB-3. Section E1AI2I3 of the option to accept or refuse administration of the product. That's it. It's right there, federal mm-hmm. law. Nobody has to take it. Mm-hmm. No one ever had to take it. They cannot make you take it because of that clause in federal law. How many people knew that clause in federal law? Raise your hands, please, in the audience. <laughs> they know. We know. We know because we said it once a week for three years. Right. Yeah. Back to you, Bonnie. Valid point. And that's why yeah. we're trying to spread out the truth. And that's why you're doing the whole um, convention in January. And I would encourage Ooh. people to get out there. That it's going to be great. The legislative. Oh, I hope you can make it. What do you think about that? What I would love think? to make it, but I'm not going to be able to. I, I think, like oh. I said last week, it's such a fantastic idea. I want to come so bad, but coming from Indiana in January when you're a bookkeeper and have W-2s and 1099s to do, is not oh, possible. True. I just can't. Do, do you think your station <laughs> might want to cover it? Would they be interested? Um, I don't know. Turn I didn't radio? certainly mention it. I, 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 I literally mentioned supporting I, – I had someone reach out to me um, who used to be our sheriff, and he's on the city council, and his son is running for mayor of my city. And on the conservative Republican ticket, and I am a staunch supporter of him. I know him personally. And I tried desperately to reach out to my boss and get him to have him on the show or let me interview him at the very least or even have him on the weekday morning show, and it never happened. So I have a feeling that they are wanting to remove themselves from putting that political strong force out there and be more encouraging on all sides and just shy away from that, which it makes me sad. So I don't know if they'll cover it or not, but I will certainly run it by In other words, no, yeah. right? Okay, fine. Yeah, I'm guessing no. Uh, yeah. Well, let's, let's get to your closing recipes, and uh, we'll do it all again next week. Yes, absolutely. So um, aside from my political opinion, you can find all kinds of fun recipes to further your healthy life through my cookbooks. And you can find them at www.bonnie-appetite.com, or you can find me on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com or iuniverse.com. It's Bonnie Appetite. And you can also listen to me Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. on WFRN.com. You can listen live worldwide, and I give encouraging news to anyone who needs it, as well as humor, because we all need to laugh more in this world. We do on this show. Thank you, Bonnie. Let's yes, get we to, do. Uh, you bet. Let's get to Bia. Yeah. All right. Talk to you later. Later.
And now a little West Coast sophistication for Action Radio. Where else can a progressive socialist trans actor, political activist, and candidate from San Francisco meet on the air with an anti-federalist, individual rights, free market citizen legislator in Florida? Agree or disagree? And we do. It's always fascinating. So join us now, please, for the Progressive Report with Bianca Von Krieg. Ooh, I'm ready. Hi, everyone. I got my West Coast sophistication on. Let's go. Let's go. It's okay. We've got some good headlines today. Uh, Bianca Von Krieg, yours truly, leads pro-Palestinian groups to to the 101 freeway to uh, traffic jams galore. Uh, Pelosi wags bony finger at Bianca for San Francisco allies, code pink, at her home in San Francisco. Trans Bay police chase ends with Van Max in custody. Uh, 5,000 future New York City room service recipients march to the southern border, clearly heeding New York City Mayor Eric Adams' warning of no vacancy. And, uh, <clears throat> and apparently there is no vacancy in San Francisco except for the 60,000 vacant units <laughs> and the jail. Um, the APEC conference, you wanted more police, now you got it, now get out <laughs> in coming to San Francisco. And uh, Newsmax reporter wins this week's Scott Weiner Weiner Award of the week. <laughs> All this and more on the Progressive Report with Bianca Von Krieg. So you wonder why I don't take calls on this on this particular report because we have an hour. We can we'll extend a little bit uh, as necessary because I've got what I've got like eight items here, <laughs> which I, I'm now getting better at writing down really quickly. Well, let's start with. Um, Let's start with the, the, the whole Palestinian question, because if you've been listening to the show at all, yeah. um, my position is, is very simple. I'm pro-Israel. I believe that Israel needs mm-hmm. to reincorporate uh, Gaza, the Golan Heights, and the West Bank, and that's Israel. And the rest of the Arab Muslim world can have everything from Indonesia to Turkey to Iraq to uh, Iran to uh, Saudi Arabia to Egypt, the entire top of Africa, and all these other countries, and they can do just fine. But Jews need Israel, and so that's my position on it. Uh, and that the Palestinians are Ottoman Turks, you know, that either went to Egypt and became Egyptian Ottoman Turks, or Jordan became Jordanian Ottoman Turks. But the idea that Israel has to take people into their country who are trying to kill them makes no sense to me. When you've got Egypt and Jordan and Syria and Lebanon right next door, so that's my take on it. Well, it is a very complicated to issue to be sure, and it's, it's been mm-hmm. ongoing. I think one of the things that's uh, fueling a lot of the angst is the uh, kind of just one-sided coverage on this issue um, is really making people angry and kind of leading to a Zionist controlled media state. Some of the things that, that I'll, I'll give you, I'll throw you a bone on this one. Some of the things we found a little bit con- disconcerting was some very divisive re- rhetoric at, the, at these rallies and basically saying no two-state solution. We found that a little, um, a little troubling. It's kind of our way or the highway. And there was some hypocr- there is hypocrisy on both sides, uh, both eagerly wanting to cancel people who just don't follow their narratives or uh, say what they want them to say, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> which will kind of bring us to the whiner of the week thing here. But it, <laughs> well, I mean, I said, I've just you, said what I want to say, and, and, and you're free to say whatever you want to say. We're not going to agree on this, and that's okay. Yeah, but let's yeah. let's see what we can let's see what we can figure out. 
Let's see where we can go. Um, but I think you and I both agree that those who are calling for death on the other side or a lack of debate on the other side or a limit of free speech on the other side, whichever other side the other side is, it doesn't matter. That's not going to solve the problem. That's not going to get this settled. Yeah, And so we have to have a dialogue. Right. You know, as uh, Menachem yeah. Begin said, uh, you don't make peace with your, your friends. You make peace with your enemies. You know, so, that, you know, that, friends already got it. So, so you have to talk to your you people that you disagree with the most. <laughs> and, and if you don't talk to them, you're never going to solve anything. Yeah. Anyway. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, and, and this rally saw tens of thousands of people. It was pretty big. They were all, it was, it was timed all around the country. They had them in San Francisco, uh, Chicago, New York, the Brooklyn Bridge got taken over to, um, and Washington, oh, wow. D.C. Well, let me ask you yeah, a, so, a general question. Do you believe in protests mm-hmm. that block highways and bridges and things like that? Is that a fair protest? That's, um, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. You know, on the one hand, um, you know, it, it was on a Saturday, so it wasn't exactly commuter traffic. It was mostly, um, you know, recreational traffic. Mm-hmm. And it uh, it does kind of, it does make the news and it does, you know, make people start asking what's going on, what's this all about. And so people who otherwise weren't disengaged are engaged. It, it worked for us when, uh, when I shut down the Golden Gate Bridge during the George Floyd thing. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> But uh, people are late for work and not making their and how about ambulances? People who are living paycheck you know, paycheck uh, or yeah ambulance. That, that you know, I mean, people, uh, how many births were were done on freeways in protest? Now I'm all for protest. I'm all for protest. I completely yeah. disagree with. If Palestinian groups want to protest, more power to them. I don't care. I'll disagree completely. But you cannot block the basic functions of society. You can't block the highways. You can't block the bridges. You can't block the subways. You can't you know close down office buildings. People have to be able to maintain their lives. There's nothing in protesting and free speech that gives people permission to affect other people so much that it affects their lives. You can listen or not listen. You can watch or not watch, but you cannot take over, <clears throat> excuse me, you cannot take over somebody's life like block a freeway because that, that, to me that's not a legitimate protest. You're going beyond protesting. You're actually interfering with normal commerce, business, life, and again, ambulances, emergency vehicles, police, You know, one of the things fire I've, I've yeah. I've criticized some of these groups for is having them in inappropriate venues. So, for instance, um, City Hall on a weekend. City Hall is great. It's a great venue, but don't do it on the weekend when no one's there. That place is a Exactly. Ghost. That's a good point. <laughs> and, uh, and San Francisco City and, Hall has a big know, park in front of it. You got that whole big park. It's a big park. It's a great do place on, to protest. Do it on the weekdays when, they're all, when everybody's yeah. walking there. There's the federal buildings. There's um, all these, you know, there's a lot of, like, government buildings surrounding that park. So you can reach a lot of, you know, influential people, right, you know, at the same time, yeah. especially at Big lunch. signs right out but, their window. We're here. <laughs> so doing it, doing it at, at, uh, we, at, on the weekend just seems a little at cross purposes there. And by the same token, you know, protesting through a poor neighborhood for, like, you know, poor causes, I mean, you know. <laughs> They're poor like, neighborhoods. You know, talk about you've got to make peace with your enemies, <laughs> you know, because you already have peace with your friends. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, it, you know, and I was the one who actually started leading protests into, like, the more richer neighborhoods, and that's what got us mm-hmm. a lot of news coverage on that, too. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, we have to talk to them. You know, the, the people in the poor neighborhoods, they're already down with us. So it's like <laughs> preaching to the choir. <laughs> yeah. You're, uh, what's the expression? Preaching to the converted? They're already with you. Or preaching to the choir? They're already with you. So they're already just, with you. you know, yeah. What's the point? Yeah. So, you know, we have to get out of our comfort zones, you know, that we really want well, to start change. 
Let me ask you a question. San Francisco, being uh, a liberal city, I'm sure has a fairly large Jewish population. I know where Diane Feinstein used to live, uh, and I know that there's a very large Jewish temple within walking distance of her house. So why would the no, large not really Jewish... Walking. Oh, it's not really walking distance? Well, maybe I've, I've forgotten. It, anyway. It's like a... Yeah, but yeah, you're right. You know what I mean, right? The big beige one? I forgot what it's called. Temple something or other. Yeah, it's on Webster Street. I know the one you're talking about. Um, but with a large Jewish population in, in a liberal city such as San Francisco, why are there not more pro-Israel demonstrations? Or why there is are. there not more? Oh, there are. Okay, tell there me. Are. I'm, I'm, not, I, I'm just not reporting on it because the news is doing it for, you know, for us. So oh, okay. the, news is already, the news is already saturating the Jewish side. You know, that's the thing. Ultimately, I really don't have a dog in this fight. I just feel it's right. important to tell both sides. We're not talking about the 8,500 Palestinians that, are, that have been killed in Gaza and the West Bank, and that 30% of them are children. They're not talking about that because apparently the only people who deserve any you know, rights or attention are the Israelis, which I, you know, I find troubling. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's these kind of stats. You know, they're, they're not letting uh, fuel in. They're not letting, they're letting the few trucks trickle in. If you hear on the news, like, you know, 80 trucks have been admitted or 100 trucks, that's nothing. They're, they're used to getting 500 trucks a day and to, to meet their most basic needs. So um, the, the whole story is not getting put out there. And that, that I find personally troubling. That's where I really get, you know, that's where my anger gets up. But there's, um, you know, so, Egypt's not saying, you know, Egypt has a border with Gaza. They're not saying, come to Egypt, you know, come live with us. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll help you out. We'll resettle you. We'll get you, uh, you know, job training and we'll, we'll make you good that's, Egyptians. That's another, that's another good point, too. Greg, you know, or Jordan. A lot of people have, yeah. have been saying, like, you know, the same groups that, that have been criticizing Israel on the, you mm-hmm. know, that surround them have not exactly been welcoming them over either to, as refugees. Yeah. That, that and you know, it's interesting the, that the Ottoman Turks, the, the, the Ottoman Turks that became you know, what folks are calling the Palestinians now in, in Gaza and different places, Egypt has a large percentage of those Ottoman Turks. So does Jordan. Half of Jordan are, are Palestinians that were Ottoman Turks. So these, these countries already have Palestinians. What's the difference in taking a few more? These particular ones have Hamas. That's a different story funded by Iran. So maybe that's the problem. Maybe it's because these are, are not the same as the Ottoman Turk refugees that uh, evacuated after World War I, after the Ottoman Empire dist- was destroyed. So maybe that's part of it. But there's something, there's something more going on here. There's another dynamic we're not really oh, exploring. Yeah. And that is the, the Egyptian and Jordanian uh, origins of people from Ottoman Turkey. And why the Turks? Aren't they taking them back? I mean, they should. These, these are all that's great, where they came these from. are all great questions. Yeah. Uh, you know, why, why, did, why did that... Um, U.S. carrier group shoot down a missile from Yemen. <laughs> uh, well, Yemen declared war on Israel. So the Yemen declared... Now, I don't know if the, if the missile came before the declaration or after, but why? first of all, Yemen, I looked up their military. It's not particularly big. It's 40,000 mm-hmm. people. That's not a large number of people, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Yemen's no. not going to defeat Israel in a war. So the question is, you know, if we're there... Um, well, why, why do you think we're? Why do you think we have two carrier battle groups? One in 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 the uh, the, the Persian Gulf, the, the Red Sea area there, which is, uh, is it the yeah. Red sea? whatever it is. But this is a tiny place. In the it's like a bathtub. It's like a bathtub for an aircraft carrier. Yeah. It's little. And that's that's another that's a that's a real bad idea. Again, you know, involving ourselves in these things um, are is just going to lead to more terrorist cells forming in the same way that the uh, yeah. 
the the Gulf Wars led to ISIS and um, ISIL and whatever, and then Al Qaeda and all these other groups. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> we should really just be staying out of it, you know. Ultimately, mm-hmm. agreed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we do have an agreement. But, uh, which kind of brings us to the next point. Uh, mm-hmm. Pelosi wags bony finger at Bianca for San Francisco <laughs> allies. Code pink. I love your Pelosi reports. Go, go ahead, do tell. <laughs> well, everybody does. I mean, she's she's her own worst enemy. So Code Pink is a pro-peace, progressive women group who are angry at such frivolities like food and shelter being neglected so we can uh, sweep away those <laughs> being swept away so that warmongers can have their $1 million rockets. Apparently, you know, they're mm-hmm. you know, having their day. Um <clears throat> And they caught her last weekend at the same time I was uh, shutting down the 101, getting ready to go to her 49. Oh, that was you. <laughs> you were shutting down the freeway. Right. Okay, no wonder. I read, that's why, you know, it's good. Well, there's a few thousand other people, but yeah, oh, okay, I, I, led, right. I led one of the groups. Um, Got a video? And uh, so she was donning her 49ers. Got a video of you leading the protest? <laughs> I see a video of you leading the protest. We're looking Come on, for this is interesting. Okay, fine. You can... Yeah, you can you can Google me, Bianca Von Krieg, and you'll see a lot of pictures and a lot of videos. Okay. Very cool. Um, so, uh, so what they did was they they laid down in front of her, um, you know, SUV escort, and uh, while she had to wait for a couple minutes for the Capitol Police uh, to clear her clear them away, she started wagging her bony finger <laughs> at them, calling them this? Russian and. Chinese supporters. Where Wait was this? It was at her home in San Francisco. So why does she have cap- Capitol Police? What kind of Capitol Police? Capitol Police, exactly. This is another great point I wanted to wait, make. Wait, 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 wait. Are we talking about the Washington, <laughs> D.C. Capitol Hill Police are in San Francisco? Correct. Isn't a little out of their jurisdiction? Exactly. And what happened was um, after January 6th, she managed to get some sort of a bill passed allowing Capitol Police to establish branch offices in Tampa and San Francisco. Tampa? Who's in Tampa? Yeah, exactly. You know, none of these like hotspots like Seattle or Portland, or, they basically got taken over by, you know, George Floyd demonstrations. And that's, that's what they were claiming was the real impetus. Uh, it was that there's these kind of unrest fomenting in these, but ultimately it was just about protecting her. And it was because of the way that we turned the city against her starting with the hair salon, with her garage door being vandalized, with her husband being arrested for a DUI in Napa, the archbishop turning against her, and, of course, David DePape, which um, happened long after she passed that law. Um, So it's just – that's the real story is that Pelosi is not welcome. Pelosi is being called out for a hypocrite, and she can't deal with it. She can't show her face in San Francisco without being hassled by any number of people. I wouldn't, you know, if I was her, I wouldn't even bother to eat in a restaurant because the food's going to be spat on. So, yeah. Is <laughs> oh, that bad? That's horrible. And she's probably just, she was probably cranky that day, too, because the mirror, mirror on the wall was um, giving her some pushback and telling her who the fairest really was. So. <laughs> <they're>, <laughs> no, but, but I, I want to talk about the Capitol Hill Police because this is, this is like a Praetorian yeah. Guard. That's like a private security force. So she's using taxpayer money, and I don't care if this bill was passed by Congress. This is a bad bill. Um, yeah, that, uh, I agree. The Capitol Police, and I've heard this before. This isn't the first time. This is why I'm reacting to it so strongly. But I've heard that the Capitol Hill Police are getting jurisdiction that they were never intended to have. They're not a private security this force. This is the expansion of, of the police state. 
that groups right. like mine have been calling out and that Republicans have been kind of secretly like un- working with to, you know, to expand under the guise of not solving our, 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 our social problems. Yeah. You're just expanding them, trying to take away the guns, trying to doing everything but actually do right by their citizenry. You know, if Pelosi was a decent person, she wouldn't need to worry about this. She has to have the Capitol Police here because SFPD doesn't give a shit about her or, you know, or basically anybody else in that neighborhood, you know, who has these kind of trivial problems. So <clears throat> apparently, you know, it's do as I say, not as I do all over again for her. She doesn't want to have to suffer the same way the other people in the city have to suffer. And but what about the mayor and the calling. city council? Do they want the Capitol Hill police in their city? That's a good point. Um, they haven't really said anything about it. I plan on bringing it up in the next um, police commission meetings. If you got, if people at home want to follow them, they're mm-hmm. every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Every first, second, and third Wednesday of the month at 5 p.m. You can watch it on SFGov TV. Um, <clears throat> hear a lot of great things about SFPD. <laughs> and uh, well, listen, I tried to join SFPD. On... You know, back after 9/11. You know, back I, I actually applied to join, and I, I passed the physical and, and passed the stuff. Ultimately, they didn't hire me, maybe because they had enough white guys. But whatever it was, uh, yeah, I wanted to do uh, to you know serve the. Country. I actually ended up serving in, in uh, U.S. Customs, uh, you know, for for a couple of years uh, until they hired all their their wonder agents that were like you know 21, and I was like 42 at the time. And they didn't want us old guys hanging around. So you know, 20 years later, I started Action Radio. Well, ironically, um, Greg, yeah. I think you get hired right now because they're actually very desperate. No offense. <laughs> but, yes, uh, well, yeah. yeah. At this point, you know, I, I just turned sixty-four. It might be a little tough for me to be, uh, you know, past that same physical I passed at forty-two. But you never know. You know, I'm pretty sprightly. I, hey, if I, I see, do some wall I climbing. I see a lot of, I see a lot of very stocky guys, you know, over there. People who are like right. five-two both ways. So I don't know. It's, no, it's, actually, I'm losing weight. I'm, I'm looking pretty good. You know, I'm getting, getting yeah, in shape so and bigger bike rides and, and things. You, know, yeah. you, can, you can push this narrative of 64 is the new 44 or whatever. 24. <laughs> whatever you want on the application. Let's go. Let's yeah. be really extreme here. Uh, say, say you identify, self-identify as a you know, 44-year-old man. <laughs> Maybe well, that'll I the physical then. You know, I was, I was jumping yeah. six-foot walls at 42 years old. Yeah, I could do it. Good for you. Yeah. So yeah, I think you, I think you could definitely get hired today. Um, with, with I already, I already have a job, and no one else has this job. I'm, I'm job. uniquely qualified and, and pretty much the only person that can do that can run Action Radio. So uh, <laughs> I'm kind of stuck in that way. Besides, I like my job. Yeah, I like it too. It's good. Um, and uh, apparently, the the cops like their job too because they uh, they chase the guy uh, Mad Max across. Across so what's the, that all about? San Francisco and into Oakland, and apparently he was dropping "quote unquote" explosives out of his car along the way, mm-hmm. and they won't they won't say what these explosives are, so they can be anything to like those little cap things that you know pop on the ground, firecrackers, to you know IEDs. Uh, I think if it was an IED, they would have said it. So it's probably just something they're trying to make hay about, because. Um, <clears throat> But, uh, you know, this is something I wanted to comment on. You know, things that would normally get you, like, relatively minor sentences are basically, you know, getting you decades and decades in prison. Right. And once people realize, um, you know, a small thing is going to be compounded into a large thing and that they didn't have much going on in their life to begin with, they become very, very dangerous. And they start ramming through neighborhoods. 
they start shooting at cops um, <clears throat> or shooting at people in order to escape. And uh, <clears throat> so that's why we're seeing, I think we're seeing more of these, these, these dangerous chases, whereas most of them would have just said, okay, you know, they'll pay for the damages and maybe get a year in jail for, you know, crashing into this and that. And um, so this guy is apparent. This guy uh, that they have in custody apparently he was um, he was sentenced to jail um, for 35 years some time ago, and got out in 2019 over a technicality. That's what they're saying. I remember, oh. um, and I don't know what his beef was this time, uh, but uh, yeah, I'm just seeing a lot of these chases and. You know, if you if you watch like something like Night Court, you know the old Night Court episodes. <laughs> the old guy died. He, the, the guy that was the tall guy, the lurch guy, he died recently. It's terrible. Oh, bull. Yeah. Yeah, bull oh, died. That's too bad. Sorry, bull. Like no more bull. bull. Died. There's no no more bull. bull. No more bull in court. No more. <laughs> Except for the ones <laughs> you know, they brought. But, but car chase. You remember the OJ chase? Yeah. Yeah. And, and those are hours. those are pretty regular occurrences in Los Angeles now. If, um, uh, people can watch like LA broadcasts their news on IP television and you can mm-hmm. see things like KCAL and KCBS and uh, <laughs> there's like a car chase like almost every other night or something like that. <laughs> you can make your own TV show on that, you know, reality car chases. But the thing is you don't need to car chase anymore. We've got GPS, we've got helicopters, we've got drones. We know who the people are. They're, they've got facial recognition. There's no reason for car chases. You don't have to catch people by speeding through neighborhoods and risking everybody's lives. Car chases, I think, are obsolete. You know, OJ well, you know, actually, um, one got yeah. away yesterday. Different, uh-huh. different car chase. Trans Bay uh, car chase got away because the helicopter who was following her had to go back for gas. <laughs> they lost well, track. I mean, we can't we can't you know, solve kidding. every problem for the police, but yeah. But, but do you do you think <laughs> that car chases are, are, are at this point in our technology? You know, given the fact that the helicopter should have fuel and there should be another helicopter just in case. You know, and that San Francisco is seven miles by seven miles, which by helicopter is about a minute or less. Yeah. You, know, you should be able to have someone else on station. Well, again, it I was just, a trans bay case. So it was. So it, it, it started out in San Francisco, and ended up like in uh, Contra Costa or something like that. But uh, so what's the and Trans Bay? So what happened was, uh, yeah. uh, Oakland PD backed off because uh, he was the, at one point the guy was going the one the wrong way down the 580, and mm-hmm. so nobody wanted to get involved in that. So they backed mm-hmm. off, and they figured the co- that you know the copter will just follow him, and then they'll just radio his position once he's in he's in a safe safer place to engage in our pursuit. And of course, um, they didn't calculate the gas problem and then they had to go. <laughs> so the guy got away. Um, but yeah, you know, facial recognition thing that has been hotly, you know, um, protested here in San Francisco. Um, so yeah, even though the technology may be there, you know, nobody won't, really wants to use it with good reason. So well, it depends um, what you use it for. Either, if, if you're looking work, for one specific you know, person, yeah, car chases yeah. do work ultimately because uh, because okay. of the stringent hot pursuit laws in 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 the Bay Area. Um, you know, it's better to let somebody, especially you know, with some minor minor offenses who you know didn't kill anybody. Who's not generally speaking, not armed means do not pursue. So if okay. you don't got a gun or anything, or if you did and you you, know, you throw it out in front of a bunch of witnesses, 
you know, that basically tells the cops you're not armed and really not worth chasing if it's going to mean a danger, endangering other people in the process. Hmm. So, yeah, I mean, car chases can be effective um, for, the, for, the, for the criminal, essentially. Um, but, uh, you know, I think society puts this, you know, is partly to blame for, you know, with these more ever stringent, more and more stricter penalties for things that, you know, the way I see it is, Murder is the worst crime you can do, and everything should be like you know centered around that. Mm-hmm. Um, if 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 you're if crimes that you're doing, uh, you know like let's say fraud, are getting you the same penalty as murder, I and mean, what does that say as our values as, as a society? Yeah, but I think that happens too often. Everything has yeah. a, even murder has a degree to it. This first, second, and third degree, and there's a couple of degrees of manslaughter, and then you get down to criminally yeah. ne- negligent homicide and some other things. So there's like seven or eight different things for well, all laws bo- boil down to basically two categories: uh, uh, injury against a person, or physical harm to a person, and stealing a property. And that goes to everything from yeah. embezzlement to bank robbery, you know, as, as property. So is, is it a person or property? Is what most laws are based on. So, so, you know, it's more yeah. severe to hurt a person than to steal property. But stealing property, you're still stealing people's lives, labor time, things that go into it. They say, well, you shouldn't, shouldn't uh, you, know, you know, grab somebody for, for stealing a TV. Well, that TV might represent six months of work for that person. You don't know. You know, and so you, there's a value on that, well, too. Well, it depends on but those who, are the, who, yeah. who the owner was, right? If it's well, a yeah, mom and pop too. store, that's one thing. If it's Best Buy, you know, not so much. Yeah, but we, we um, don't grade crimes by income. It's it's by severity of the crime. So, but that'd be an interesting yeah. to do, thing to do. In other words, should well, here's here's a great thought. This is this would be a good progressive topic. Uh, should crimes be more severe against poor people? So, if someone robs a poor person because it takes longer than, for them to get the money to re- recoup their property. Should that be a more severe crime, or should they have more, uh, st- you know, stronger restitution to give those folks back what you stole from them? There's an interesting thought. Yeah, yeah, especially that. I think a lot of um, judges do take these things into account. Uh, okay. That's why we're seeing. That's why San Francisco is gaining a reputation for being like you know really soft on crime. It's just because most of the people who are stealing are poor people stealing from you know rich people like you know big like you know the the what was the name of that store the Dior store, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, they're you know they're not stealing from mom and pop shops and everything and, and the few times that they that desperation drives them to do that that's the ones the news you know are all over um, so that's why we're seeing a lot of this because people you know you know the the legal community is coming to the understanding that you know our system is just not working anymore and we have to start changing we can't you know stop imprisoning um, imprisoning people despite um, uh, one of the next article, one of the next headlines we're going to talk about. Uh, I guess this is a great time to lead into it too. Okay, go for um, it. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm not. So um, the SF jail. This is the no vacancy in SF. Um, the San Francisco jail recently inc- increased and filled uh, its capacity by 30 percent, and uh, people are attributing this to the uh, the local the fentanyl crackdown. They've had the sheriffs. The, the sheriff's deputies working that, which is weird for San Francisco, and um, and Highway Patrol, which is also weird. Uh, the local morons seem placated, but again, <laughs> this is like this is this this seems like an anti. This seems like a regressive system. These are people huh. who are you know poor, they're desperate. You know what about if you, they're saying they're also trying to like you know get 
uh, fentanyl dealers um, convicted of, of murder if somebody takes an overdose, which seems legally ridiculous. But again, it's just scapegoating the problem. They don't want to solve the social problem, so they just increase the penalty. The problem is our society is all out of uh, carrot. So, you know, increasing the stick won't work at a certain point because at some point you're beating a dead horse, and there's no point in beating a dead horse. So, well, you know, well, jail doesn't work for poor people. Back in the system. Jail doesn't work for poor what, people because they're poor. They get meals. You know, they get a place to sleep. You know, so so jail in many respects is just like an alternative. It's not, you know, but jail for a rich person makes a huge difference because you go from a mansion yeah. to a jail cell. That's a huge penalty. So what you do, so what you do to correct poor people um, is you you still have to pay a penalty for your crimes, but it might be a hard labor penalty or or some kind of penalty or something else that uh, you know you still may have to work. But a, but a richer person, you threaten them with jail. You know, these are people that, uh, you know, are used to expensive lawyers and getting off and getting special treatment and getting, you know, all kinds of other things. So for them, jail is a huge threat, whereas for a poor person, a yeah, fine exactly. might be a far bigger threat. The, the, if you find a you don't have to put them in jail if they're nonviolent, but you have a big fat fine. They don't want to pay that because they're going to have to work years to pay that off. So, you know, there, exactly. there, there are ways to do this, make things appropriate. I, I have bigger fines for the poor folks to make sure that commit the serious crimes we're talking about and more jail time for the richer folks. Because that uh, you know, rich person doesn't care about a fine. It's like a cost of doing business. No, no. Yeah. No. <laughs> That's what I was yeah, I mean, jail the, the I've been a huge proponent yeah. of you know mm-hmm. doing uh, you know categorizing fines based on tax brackets as opposed to just um, you know the incidents per se. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, so yeah, so the local morons seem placated. You know, saying, you know, yeah, we're seeing less fentanyl, but of course they're just. They're sweeping the problem of fentanyl abuse, you know, from their streets just to the jail where they're just going to be out in a, you know, couple of weeks anyway. So mm. it's just stupidity run amok here. Let me give you an argument that you can use that I just thought of. You could, you could actually base fines on percentage of income. So the fine affects everybody equally. All right. And you could do that. And of course, all, all my, my capitalist free market people are now going crazy right now. So, Grant, what are you saying? Well, it's equal protection of the 14th Amendment. Does the 14th Amendment equal protection clause cover the equal fine of individuals? So in other words, if somebody makes five million dollars a year, should a fine be the same as someone who makes twenty five thousand a year? It's an interesting question. That yeah. if you find based yeah, on percent exactly. of income rather than a specific dollar amount, because these companies that were polluting like crazy before before the EPA really got ramped up, you know, the hazmat sites, Love Canal, things like that, the cost of the fines the were so low. Yeah, it was just cost of doing business. Yeah, okay. just, well, that's not right. So those people you put yeah. in jail, because now they're paying a real cost. If they had to face personal liability in jail, rather than, you know, that would be, then they wouldn't be polluting as much, right? So there are ways to do this. But if you base fines, and this would be something that I, your team might want to look into this. This would be fascinating. The base fines on a percentage of income. I can't believe I'm saying this. <laughs> you know, but but uh, it's an interesting thought that, in other words, the fine would affect uh, a, a wealthier person or a middle-income person or a person the same way because it would be proportional. Now, I don't want prices based on that because the whole point of being wealthier is so that things cost less, so you can do more stuff. But as far as mm-hmm. fines go, as far as penalties go, it would be very interesting if you base fines on percent of income. Just a thought. Or even one step farther, you know, per, uh, percentage of your net worth. No, well, yeah, I don't know. I got to think about that. Because that's why our groups like mine are pursuing something what's known as the as the wealth tax too. And it, so, in addition to you know, grad, you know, graduated um, income tax, 
you're also going to have a wealth tax for because what a lot of like rich people do is they just defer their um, their income from like let's say you're the CEO of GM you don't need to have a you can draw it out in stock options or deferred um, bonuses and things like that you don't need to draw a salary you can take a salary of one dollar evade income taxes completely mm-hmm. and you know, so the the wealth tax is meant to you know to get those people to double over. So yeah, um, I would disagree with that. Yeah. I, I don't like taxing people for being prosperous. I don't like taxing people for doing well. As long as doing it honestly. Now the the only reason I would do this fine on a percent of income is because it's a penalty. It's for doing a criminal action. That's why I would I would okay it. Yeah, but I don't like I don't like the graduate income bit, tax. Yeah. I don't like the corporate income tax. You know what's interesting though too is that the states that had the highest economic growth are states with no state income tax. Have you noticed that? Uh, I don't know. California is the fourth largest economy in the world. <laughs> I think you're referring to Texas and Florida, which, you know, don't even hold. And Washington. Like, really. Washington state doesn't have a state income tax. Washington. Yeah, and that's yeah, a liberal state. Oregon. Um, yeah, and those, those are, no, Washington, no, Oregon has no sales tax. Washington has no income tax. So people live in Vancouver, Washington, and shop in Oregon. That's why Vancouver, Washington is so big. But the point is that states that don't have an income tax do very well. So the tax does not make you prosperous. Now, California, I'm not sure. I think it's the fourth biggest economy because it's such a big state. But what would these, but what would say, say California operated like, like Florida and Texas and Washington and did not have an income tax? How prosperous do you think California would be? It'd probably be the second largest economy. Instead of the fourth. Betcha, betcha. Oh, okay. Not, so not really. Uh, so the thing is so that people can't afford to live here anymore. And I'm not just talking about families. I'm talking about the people that they want to serve them. <laughs> so right. that's yeah, becoming exactly. a huge problem. You know, when, you're, when your workforce can't even afford to live here, that's a huge problem for you. So you got to learn to you gotta share the wealth a little bit so that, you know, everybody gets a piece of the pie. And uh, it's, it's what we call equitable for everybody. Um, and, you know, if, if the wealth becomes more concentrated, which it is right now, that's a huge problem. Uh, and, I, uh, and speaking of wealth, <laughs> uh, so apparently uh, 5,000 future <laughs> New York City room service recipients are marching all the way to our southern border. <laughs> Define room service Clearly, recipients because that's a great term. That is absolutely that fabulous. Is, I love it. Go ahead. <laughs> I know. I wrote that for you, Greg. And all the other people. <laughs> and I appreciate it. And so the thing is, um, you know, I think we previously reported that Mayor Eric Adams, after listening to my suggestion mm. of, you know, basically doing a campaign of saying, hey, there's no vacancy in San Francisco decided, or in New York, mm-hmm. decided to take a, take a trip down and personally tell everybody <laughs> in, South, in South America the situation. And apparently they just didn't give a shit what he said. <laughs> And decided to come so wait a minute. So, so Eric Adams, do you talk to Eric Adams? I mean, does he take your calls? I mean, are you that in contact with him? Because that's fascinating. Uh, we no, we talked to uh, uh, Greg Abbott's office and um, uh, uh, Ron oh, Governor Abbott of Texas uh, over the busing okay. thing, but uh, we haven't decided to engage with Eric Adams yet. Um, but uh, you know, we we love seeing him squirm because. We don't mean to single him out. It's it's a, a lot of liberal cities have been pushing the same narrative of sanctuary cities, mm-hmm. and then you know not wanting to pay the the price of it, which you know New York is now thanks to Ron DeSantis and Greg Abbott, and um, <clears throat> and apparently you know even messages of no more sanctuary city, no more vacancy are just not even working <laughs> for yeah. Eric because uh, there's another five thousand people marching and. 
one of the other problems they're having is um, <clears throat> it looks like Mexico is not complying with a new agreement they made with the United States that they would hold the people there and not that was allow the Trump them agreement. to cross. And, yeah, in other words, you're, uh, you're not admitted to the United States on an asylum claim until your claim is honored. And that can take Until years. your claim is processed, yeah. Yeah, or process, and, yeah. And uh, they're just they're yeah. just claiming that they're overwhelmed, and then they're just kind of apparently just kind of shutting down, and just letting them do what they want, which is you know well, Mexico's mantra. Yeah. yeah. Mexico care. cared yeah. when Trump was going to put a massive tariff on all Mexican goods coming to the United States. That's when they enforced the policy. That's when they got the twenty eight thousand soldiers. That's when they held people in Mexico uh, until their processing went through. But these people aren't aren't an asylum. They're not, they're not in a political pr- persecution. These countries aren't. They're just, no, they're, they're, just they're, they're economic they're, refugees. But that's that's not a that's not a refugee though. See, the that's economic is not, a ju- is not a justification. This is where I'm going to disagree with you. It's not just it's not a refugee. You're not a refugee because you're poor. Okay, now do I want poor people? No, I want them to have the same freedom mm-hmm. and prosperity that we used to have. Notice the term. Yeah. But freedom and prosperity is not unique to the United States. Any country that has a, a free market that has, uh, you know, folks that are working hard and creating and make it, make it uh, you know, a great environment for entrepreneurs and business people, like California used to be. Do you know how many businesses started in California? The aviation business was huge in California. Music, you know, my favorite. Fender guitars, okay? Yeah. Let's talk about all the things that started in California. San Francisco has so many small businesses and restaurants. It's, it's a retail paradise. Those are all entrepreneurs. Yeah. You know, yeah. That's, that's, and I don't say capitalism, that's a Marxist term, but a free market, a market where there's no barriers to entry, you know, the, the way the markets used to be. And I'm not talking about protecting the big folks over the little ones. I don't believe in bailouts. You don't bail out banks. You don't bail out pharma stores. You don't bail out Chrysler. You don't bail out GM. You don't bail out, bail out New York City. That's what bankruptcy, bankruptcy laws are for. Learn your lesson and don't do it again. But if you have mm-hmm. prosperity, and open markets and where people can actually make money and accumulate property and the taxes are low enough, any country can have the prosperity we used to have. But you've got to get rid of the corruption, okay? And you have to open up the market. You, you have to stop the elite making all the money. And I'll agree with you on that. You cannot have a concentration of wealth in a few number of people. You have to have a vibrant middle class. That's the only way for any country yeah. to have, you know, decent prosperity. But, uh, and you and I might disagree on how we get there, but that's ultimately the goal. It's a big middle class. You want as few poor people as possible because yeah, nobody correct. should be suffering. And, and the rich folks that, that make the money, God bless them. I got no problem. But you can't make it at the expense of other people. You can't have the government create laws that direct money towards you. See, that's where I have the problem. Mm. Makes sense? Well, you know, interesting enough, there's actually a group of, there's a tax group out there called Millionaires Who Want to Be Taxed. <laughs> well, they can volunteer. And, they, they can and, pay uh, all they want. The, yeah. Yeah, and what the, what the thing is is that they're realizing that exact same thing too. They're realizing society is going in a very bad direction, and that mm-hmm. the rich people are really just not getting taxed the way they need to in order to get that money where it needs to go. So they've actually uh, established a group. I think it's uh, Millionaires for Taxing, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, and they want a very progressive tax structure, which taxes and taxes the rich people more and taxes poor and middle-class people a lot less. Well, that's the graduate so income tax. Right on the Comedy Manifesto, that's one of the, the, the 10 planks, which we should go over sometime. But yeah, that's I don't agree yeah. with the graduate income tax. I, I, uh, I'm, you know who was for the, for the flat tax? was Jerry Brown. You're a flat tax person. Well, I'm a sales tax person. I'm a consumption tax, and not a fair tax, because the fair tax is set at the same rate as the income tax. No, I'm for a 10% or actually a 5% flat tax. 
Actually, best if the federal government didn't tax at all. Oh, here's let me give you a really interesting idea. I had one uh, a while oh, back. Oh God! Wait, wait, hold on. Come on, you, you, trust me. I'm, I'm, you know, I think this stuff through actually okay. before I throw it out here. All taxes should be local. The local governments give a certain percentage of the tax that they collect to the state, and the states give a percentage that they collect to the federal government. So the federal government can only go to the states for money. They can't go to the people. The states can only go to the local governments for money. They can't go to the people either. Only the local governments can go to the people because the people can go back to the local government, sit in their office, and say, you're taxing me too much. So if we had uh, a, a hierarchical tax as opposed to a graduated tax where the federal government could not tax, we have to repeal the 16th Amendment. But um, how's that for a thought? Well, how would you fund things like, oh, I don't know, the Department of Defense? Well, no, the federal government would go to the states and say, we have to fund the Department of Defense. And you'd have to work at a system where a certain percentage was required. Say that the states gave 20%, 30%, 40%, whatever it is they collected to the federal government for things like defense, because defense is expensive. But it's not that expensive. The defense budget is like $800 billion. No, I just well, we borrowed that out there $2 trillion a year. Republicans always seem, that's that's that? the one place re- Republicans don't seem to mind big government is the military industrial complex. That's the one well, place, you know, where yeah. that that's where uh, big business, big government, you know, needs to thrive. You yeah. know, and apparently, did you see the title of the show today? Yeah, see the title of the show today. The title of the show is 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 uh, uh, to the illegal government of Brandon Obama. Of course, we disagree on that. Then it said World War Three mm-hmm. is just good business. So I'm with you on that. So the military is necessary to defend the country. In fact, most of the Constitution uh, authorized the federal government. The primary, if I had Dr. Dr. Walter Williams on, we talked about this, that it's basically a 70, 25, 5%. 70% of the the federal duties are are defense to defend the nation. That's where most of the money is supposed to go. But it's only 800 billion, but they spend 5 trillion. So 800 billion is, is like what? You know, it's less than 10% of $5 trillion. So less than 10% of the money that the government spends goes for defense. But if, if, that, if that was what most of the government did, it wouldn't be a problem. I'm going to send you a thing on the constitutional budget. I think you'll find it. I made a video on it. So, so the way it breaks down is he, he, Walter Williams said 70% for defense, 25% for infrastructure. You know, the highways, the aviation system, the ships, the, the navigable waterways, things like that. And about 5% for the, the necessary offices of government, Supreme Court, Patent Office. You know, things that the government's supposed to do. And that's it. Mm. So the problem is not that we don't tax enough. The problem is I think that we spend too much on things that they're, they're not authorized to spend money on. <laughs> well, yeah, things like uh, housing and health care are frivolous. So, yeah, I guess. We, we, but we that's a state responsibility. <laughs> that's, not a, that's not a federal responsibility because the states never delegated that authority to the federal government. So I'm not saying money shouldn't be spent on those things. Well, a little bit. Well, but there's I'm saying, nothing that but says it's not a, it's not a federal uh, responsibility. Either. What's that now? There's nothing that says the federal government can't do it either. Yeah, there is. What? Oh, well, we, gotta, we, we, should, uh, we should set aside some time for a little debate on the Constitution because the Constitution, yeah. uh, this, 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 the, the progressive view of the Constitution, as I understand it, and you can correct me on this, says that if the Constitution doesn't prohibit it, the federal government can do it. And that's that's, that's in my that's an incorrect view as I see it. What the what the Constitution does is it gives permission for only the things that the federal government can do. So if it's not delegate, the states created the Constitution, ratified it, and said to the federal government, "We create you. We're going to give you permission to do certain things." And if it's not in it, you can't do it. <laughs> so that's how it's written. That's what the Constitution does. It's a limitation on government. What do you think? Uh, um... 
Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, there there is that section about any any um, any any power authority not claimed in the Constitution is hereby delegated to the states. Or I'm paraphrasing. No, it's reserved. Um, it's not delegated. It's reserved. So in other words, if it's not in the Constitution, the Tenth Amendment says that it, that that power is with the states and the and the and uh, the people. It ain't the federal government. So so the correct place for things like housing and uh, you know health and all that kind of stuff is with the states. The states can decide if they want to fund that or not. The federal government has no jurisdiction because of the Tenth Amendment. You're absolutely yeah, right. Yeah, I just I I think that may not be. Uh... You know, maybe it's a, I mean, there may not be a best course of action. I think what we really, a centralized government is good for bringing out the best practices and okay. making sure that everybody abides by them. Things like education standards, um, you know, hmm. you want people in Alabama getting the same education as they would in New York or California so they could, they could be just as competitive, you know, assuming they want to, they want to grow up and not whittle and, you know, drive a truck or something like that. <laughs> they actually want to do something with their life. Well, um, let me ask you a question then on that. So, so I see okay. that because the Constitution delegates no powers of education, the federal government can't do it. But stand, let's talk about standards. If people learn different things, if they learn things that are regional, mm-hmm. if you have uh, – see, I don't like standardized tests or standardized education. Now, in your respect, you, you want people to at least have a certain level of reading, math, science, things like that, English. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. However, how you get there. Um, because standardizing might hold back the bright students uh, and force the, 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 the slower students to do things they can't do. So, you, so I actually I wrote a, a seven-part thing. It's on my substack, gregpenglis.substack.com. It's a complete model for education. It's a 14,000-word article. It should be a book probably. But it really details wow. an entirely new system of, of educating based on teaching so that you measure students' ability to uh, – their accomplishments are measured by how well they can teach what they know to younger students, basically. And that's how the one-room schoolhouse used to work. So it's a completely well, different – Well, that's kind of what the mind. SAT yeah. was supposed to do. Um, the okay. SAT was meant to select out the, the, the students with the best scholastic, scholastic aptitude. That's what it stands for. Um, mm-hmm. So meaning if, if you were socially promoted in a school and just given A's and A's and A's and without earning them, the SAT would catch that and you'd get like a really low score. But if you actually earned your A's and, and uh, your good grades, then it would, it would also reflect that too. That's what the SAT was meant to do. That's what standardized testing was meant to do was to show, you know, areas where, where there's room for improvement and, um, and what students are really you know, thriving and what students really aren't. But um, uh, we have to, there's one topic we have to uh, talk about before we uh, – sure. The the APEC conference here in San Francisco. Yeah, what's that? Uh, these people, uh, it stands for Asian Pacific Economic Conference. But the thing what? is, <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, so the the problem is there's there's a lot of world leaders coming in for this, including Xi Jinping and uh, Biden, and you know um, I think Britain too. So MI5 is going to be here, and as a result, <laughs> there is a lot of security. British intelligence. And, uh, What's, yeah, what's, what's British yeah no, every, everybody's doing? security force is coming with them. So Where is this being um, held? It's at Moscone. It's going to be, I think, next week or something like that. Around the, it's around okay, the 14th. Okay, that's the huge convention center in San Francisco, folks, for those that haven't been to there. Yes. There's a big conve- – has it been redone at all? Cause it was, yeah, I think they, they did some... Yeah, they, they, 
they redid Moscow some time ago. It looks pretty nice. Yeah, it's beautiful. But the, I mean, thing, the thing is, right, uh-huh. is that they are right. going to, like, wall off that whole area of the city with, like, a 14-foot unscalable wall. What? And it's going to start around 4th Street and go all the way to, like, you know, 7th or something like that. Fort Moscone? <laughs> Fort Moscone. <laughs> it's going to be, like, swaths of blocks of city, just, just a total no-go zone. Now here's the thing: these same idiot, you know, small businesses, they were they were crying for more security and more right. police presence. Well, boy, they got it. <laughs> they got oh, it in geez. spades. And so, oh, that's funny. Yeah, and so now the thing is that you have to have an ID in it, which is just you know that's a that's a huge barrier just for people. A lot of people right in that neighborhood right there, including the owners of these businesses, you got to have ID. It's going to prohibit a lot of their workers and like dishwashers, all that you know, thing from coming coming into work, and, and not to mention their vendors like their you know, Uber and DoorDash and things like that. So these businesses are, are <laughs> the same businesses who are crying for police. Now they got it, and now they're, they're going to lose a lot of business. The city says they're wow. going to help them out with that, but um, uh-huh. so we just thought. So that what's was the purpose? How, how does this benefit San Francisco? Why why is San Francisco hosting this? Because they say it's going to bring in, I think the, the figure I heard was about $50 million, you know, um, uh, in city and hotel taxes and, you know. Is Taiwan there? <laughs> I, just yeah, I think Taiwan's going to be there. I think all the major players are, players are going to be there. Japan, um, so there's going to be a lot of world leaders here, um, and there's going to be a lot of security. And so, No, wait a minute. But Taiwan and, makes all the silicon chips that, that power most of the world. All our, Remember when our pickup trucks couldn't be produced because we didn't have enough chips from Taiwan? So is Taiwan coming to this? This is huge. I don't see, yeah, that's what, that's, yeah, it is huge. That's why we put it on the news. <laughs> no, and, but is um, Taiwan coming? And is the head of Taiwan going to shake hands with uh, yeah. Xi Jinping of the Communist Every, Party? Who's Who's running Taiwan right now? Do you know? I mean, I don't. I'm just. I'm not, it's a, it's a woman. It's all, I, woman I know. I I don't know her name, but um, yeah, they have a a woman who's president. She met with Pelosi when Pelosi flew out there. I don't know why the hell she went out there. I don't know why the hell Gavin Newsom went out to China. <laughs> um, well, because that's part where his money's coming from. Just like Biden, I don't know. I mean, why else would he go to China? He went, he, he went to get the checks for himself and Biden. Okay, yeah, exactly. He's uh, a bag man. Yeah, but uh, but this is interesting now. So yeah. I'm surprised somebody. So is this benefit the United States? You know, is the Democrat Party involved in this? Where you know why here? Why not have it in Asia? Why not have it in Tokyo? Well, you know, why not have the Olympics in Asia or Tokyo? I mean, it's, it's well, they do. for money. It's, it's to help. Yeah, they do. Exactly. China just had them last but, time. You know, Didn't they have the, the Winter Olympics You, you uh, want to have these things in your or city to, to bring in the money. And, um, and okay. again, this is, I think this is their back-end way of, you know, cleaning up these streets without, you know, engaging, you know, the police mm. presence, the local police presence, because uh, uh, Secret Service – PSS, all these guys are going to be doing a lot of improvements in order to um, facilitate security for these jerks. And um, you know, you could almost build so another. Yeah, you could build a convention center between uh, San Francisco and Silicon Valley. 
So Silicon Valley, for the folks that haven't seen it on a map, is about 45 minutes drive south of San Francisco. It's closer to San Jose. Yeah. But in between San Francisco and San Jose, you've got towns like Brisbane, Atherton, San Mateo, these different towns. But you could put, but you've got the, the big highway. 101 runs right through there. You could put a convention mm. center like near where Candlestick used to be. There's land there where you could put a massive convention center. It wouldn't tie up the city because where this Moscone Center is in San Francisco, you've got a ton of small streets. You've got a ton of, well, actually not so small, but you've got a bunch of streets. You got a bunch of commerce. This is south of Market. This is Soma. This is south of Market. Market's yeah. the main street dividing the northern business section from the southern uh, south of Market area. And so, but the streets are horrible. The traffic there is abysmal, you know. And so, to put a, a massive convention with a 14-foot wall several blocks away from Moscone Center and create Fort Moscone, that's insane. Has anybody thought about putting up a new convention center outside the city that is like a self-contained with a massive parking lot, maybe a multi-level parking lot, places that people could get to and go from without affecting all these other towns and, and affecting the city of San Francisco? That would make more sense to me. No, and I don't think they're going to, especially after all the money they put into the Moscone um, okay. remodel. But, right. uh, yeah, we just find it interesting that uh, – <laughs> That this uh, that what the the real topic that they're they're working on right now is figuring out how to compensate these businesses who are going to lose their business because they they won't be able. To, a lot of them are are takeout businesses too. So and their their Uber drivers are not going to be able to get in. I mean, what they're being told is you have to park outside of the zone and walk in. Nobody's going to do that. So. Um, <clears throat> You're figuring out how to how to compensate them, what the formula should be, and um, try huh. to get them compensation. Is, but, is, is uh, Trump going? Yeah. Is Trump going to go address this uh, this gathering? I I don't I don't keep their guest list, Greg. <laughs> no, I, I know. know. I'm just, I don't I'm just know. speculating. Uh, you know, I don't expect you to know the, the. I ask questions. I don't expect you to have the answers. I mean, okay. I ask them because I think they're interesting questions. So which? Okay. So are uh, the, how about the how about the goobers, the GOP goobers, which I call everybody who's running on the. Well, the I, I imagine there'll be ticket. plenty of. Plenty of bottom feeders, you know. To, <laughs> Ron DeSantis. Uh, to, to come uh, what's his name? Ron Mickey Haley. You know. Vic, Vic, Vic Robinson. I can't even say that guy's name. Um, well, I, I call him Obama Swampy. Guy. I don't. I don't trust him. He's Obama Swampy. He's Obama yeah. Swampy. Yeah, I think. Well, he's pulling he reminds four percent. He's like slightly higher than Mike Pence. Who you know, who just slimed <laughs> his way out of politics. What do you think of Mike Pence? I, I'm curious because his my view I think is, he's is, slime. I think okay, he's slime. He's like. See, we, he's yeah. right there. He's Santos grade slime, right there with Adam <laughs> Schiff and you know Kristen Cinema. I don't, I, you know, he's always got that smug undertone to his face, which I find really revolting. And the real bet, the real offensive part of this man is that he, he's an ex colonel. He was in the this kind of like slime is supposed to you know be oh, a hero of Dennis? our country. Come on. You know, this guy, would, this guy, this is the kind of guy who, if he was storming, you know, Normandy Beach, would have a Nazi uniform on just in case underneath. Oh, Mike Pence? <laughs> you talking about? Yeah. I mean, he's yeah, interesting. Total, that's, total, that's... total slime. So he, he was a colonel. So, I think he said DeSantis uh, was a colonel. I, got, I think I got my stories mixed up a bit, but Mike Pence was, I don't remember Mike Pence being in the military. Are you talking about DeSantis? Who was in the No, Jedi yeah, Corps? Mike Pence was a former Air Force colonel. Really? Did he ever fly an airplane? Yeah, so was, um... So was uh, Lindsey Graham. Oh, I can't say Lindsey Graham as a pilot. I used to be a flight instructor. I can usually yeah. tell personalities who can fly and who can't. You'd probably be pretty good at it. Well, um, well, yeah, I'm a I'm a pilot too. But uh, oh, you are. The the thing, is, yeah, I enjoy that. flying. 
Um, well, that's great. The what thing you is, is that you, we'll know, you, can, you can be yeah. in the Air Force and not actually fly a plane. <laughs> no, know? I know, but I was have, like, as a measure of accomplishment. Guys and, yeah. Know. Oh, no, there's lot, plenty of people that don't fly airplanes in the Air Force. I'm just thinking, I've never heard of, of Mike Pence talk about his great you know, flying expo, exploit. So he must have been like a desk jockey or, or something, or an accountant or something. Nothing wrong with those things, but yeah, I'm just curious. Yeah. So you guys no, that have combat records especially, point. that's the first thing they say. You know, it'd be, it's all exactly. of the resume. Yeah, exactly. Huh. And, you okay. know, the fact that he's not, especially as a Republican, you know, probably says that he was probably even slimier, too, when he was in the military. <laughs> so, well, yeah, you might, he might have record. slowed down in his old age, you know, but, um, yeah, what do you I mean, see the guy is, I love how he said, I love how he said, you know, like like it was his decision, like you know, like to gather. It's like, no, we decided that for you. You know, <laughs> via the poll. It's not my know, time. So. Well, that's very big of you. Not, well, now the yeah. way we look at Mike Pence on the show here, we think of him as the January sixth traitor, because we we call him the first person to actually steal the election for the other team, <laughs> the other party, and and so Mike Pence is is hated, hated by Republicans, real Republicans, Trump Republicans. You know, he's, he's as deep state as, as Kevin McDeep state, you know, and, and nobody loves him either, you know, and it's, it's just, it's, yeah. it's fascinating um, to, to watch this. But if you want some inside Republican knowledge is Mike Pence isn't going anywhere. I think he made the deal with the devil, which was that he would get the Republican nomination if he scuttled Trump and the, and the battleground electors. And we can talk about that sometime. We don't have time today, but uh, we all think, you know, he's a complete traitor. You know, nobody trusts Mike Pence. He's as slimy as slimy no. comes. You know, and so we definitely agree on that there. But I'm just, I'm really curious about this Asian conference. I think it's funny. And I want to know if the, if the goobers are going to be there, you know, is, uh, uh, it's just, this is fact. Because what are we going to get out of this other than the, the convention money? But we can get that from a GM convention. We can get that from the, you know, the toilet bowl manufacturers of America convention. You can make money off that. Why an Asian thing, especially with China. You know, it's really interesting to get one more point here before we go. I don't think you, it was if, like they wanted to have that particular one here. I think it's just a, a, a bit of business that was out there to be, you know, to be okay. grabbed and San Francisco got, I don't, I don't think it was any kind of strategic thing that they sought um, other oh, than the fact that they want to show that they're, you know, that they're not what the media is portraying them as, where it's, where in, whereas in fact they are as the media is portraying them as. Um, <clears throat> so they think this will cover up. This is more cover up. This is more greed. Um, I, you know, I know there's a lot of groups planning some demonstrations around that, and we're probably going to have our hand in some of those as well. You know, showcasing the real San Francisco that you know people uh, that the city doesn't want people to know about, and let the world see about that. So it may end up backfiring on them too. But um, at least politically, economically, you know, we'll see. Uh, <clears throat> But, uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's any kind of like, you know, why is it here? It's just, it, it, I think it's just a bit of business yeah, it could be that was out there. Yeah. You yeah. know, it could, um, it could have been Seattle, it could have been Salt Lake City or whatever, but. Um, oh, yeah, the Mormons would uh, be great. <laughs> It'd be pretty funny. Asian Conference yeah, in, in Seattle. The participants really stand out. At, I mean, in, in, in uh, Salt Lake City, you'd, be, you'd know who the participants were, the Asian folks in Salt Lake would stand out real fast. That would be interesting. Um, my last question, uh, it's, it's, a, it's an observation, too. Folks should know this, too. San Francisco Chinatown is, is really interesting to me for, for, for one reason, that you see Taiwan, Republic of China flags, right next to China, you know, communist China flags. And so in Chinatown in San Francisco, 
they don't care. There's there's Taiwanese mixing with uh, mainland Chinese, and they get along just fine. Have you noticed that? Yeah, that's the thing too. Is like you know that's why I don't understand a lot of this kind of Asian violence or anything because they're not they're completely apolitical. They're just doing their thing. <laughs> all mm-hmm. they don't care about it. All all they care about is just you know living their life and <laughs> um and a lot of them you know still you know have lived their whole lives there. Don't speak any English. They they were born there. They grew up there, they were raised there, they don't speak any English, they speak Chinese, they live in a little one room, you know, apartment, and then they die there. <laughs> so it's, it, yeah, it's a very, very cloistered part of the city. Um, if anybody wants to see a more humorous look at that, I would say find that movie Big Trouble in Little China with um, Kurt Russell. That was pretty, that was pretty cute. Um, okay. Uh, but uh, oh, one final thing before we go, we got the, um, this week's uh, Scott Weiner Weiner Award goes to Newsmax <laughs> reporter <laughs> Addison Smith for his phony outrage. Uh, what happened to Addison a couple weeks ago was um, he was not allowed to cover a pro-Palestinian rally. And why not? You know, uh, well that's the thing. So on on the surface we found objection that objectionable too. And so we sent him an email saying. Look, we have some some sway with these people. Let us know who they are. We'll talk to them on your behalf as long as you promise to be, you know, object, you know, objective and uh, not try and push a narrative on people. We'll mm-hmm. we'll see what we can do to allow you access. He never, you know, answered us back. And when so I personally contacted the head of uh, Newsmax, a guy named uh, Christopher Rudy, if I'm saying his name Chris right. R- Chris Rudy, yeah. um, he's, yeah. he's a, no, a never-Trumper. He hates Donald Trump, just to let you know. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> so um, <laughs> we haven't heard back from him. So apparently, you know, this is just another kind of phony outrage, you know, contributing mm. to the angertainment that is pervasive in our media. And, you know, on a larger sense, you know, when these, like, you know, conservative media channels don't hold any kind of opposition or, you know, any kind of dissenting opinions. It just says really that they're not really so much trying to educate you as trying to anger you up and indoctrinate you. And, you know, oh, you most really talk shows, look that's, your, uh, that's my criticism. Most talk shows, all they're doing is trying to get yeah. you angry. Yeah. We're going to take America back. Yeah. We're going to do this. <clears throat> what are you actually going to do? I mean, here we actually do things. You know, we have citizen legislation day. I just heard from. Uh, oh, do you know Mario yeah. Prado? Mario Prado was on yesterday. He's a he's a Hollywood producer, and we're, we've been working on a film called The Falcon, which is like a, a patriotic thriller, which is kind of an interesting concept. Um, but it goes back in mm. history, and, and my position at Action Radio makes me uniquely qualified to be in on the on the creative process. So I'm actually helping with a Hollywood film. So he was on yesterday, and it was tar- listen to yesterday's hour. Uh, it's really interesting. He's Hollywood's been Hollywood his whole life. Brilliant guy, 71 years old. And uh, he's going to be helping us with Citizen Legislation Day. In fact, he's going to be coming out for it. Um, and so the, the the bounds that we cross, the ways that we go, and the things that we cover is really quite fascinating. But that's just an interesting note. But, uh, yeah, as far as productions go, maybe we'll make turn. Hopefully we'll get a documentary film uh, out of our thing up here. Um, I forgot where I was going with that. But um, let's get back to – oh, yeah, Newsmax. Um, if yeah. you notice the, the reporters like Addison Smith, most of the new Newsmax reporters are reporters that were at One American News, but they want to make more money. <laughs> so they go over to Newsmax. But um, yeah. One American Jeff News. That's where he started out, too. Yeah. One American News is decidedly pro Trump, 
whereas Newsmax is decidedly anti-Trump. So depending on, on whether you want your conservative news with Trump, you go to One American <laughs> News. If you want your conservative news without Trump, then you go to Newsmax. This is really fascinating. Anyway, that's a, that's yeah, an insight for you. It's, it is. It's really like these. some of these channels just completely descended into either supporting or denouncing Trump. Mm-hmm. You know, all of the news can take, you know, World War III can tell start, you. and that'll be like a yeah. sideline, you know, to yeah. the whole They'll be talking about what Trump is doing, what's you know, what he's saying, all this stuff. Um, you know how great he is. Like if you watch like Infowars or um, or uh, Real America's Voice, it's practically all Trump all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering That's if he's even buying outright sponsorships. <laughs> <laughs> you know, apparently their well, only sponsors are Beat Additive and Gold. You know, people. I, I don't yeah, know what gold, those things yeah. have in common. And, and buy gold and buy Beat Additives. Um, <laughs> yeah, or, or or natural vegetable, whatever it is. You got ninety year olds running around playing golf. Um, and just to let folks know, we're we're equal opportunity here at Action Radio. Uh, I would be just as happy to endorse and support Robert Kennedy as I would uh, endorse and support Donald Trump if one of them would contact me and start running on our citizen legislation. I don't care which one. Yeah. Does. I'll get both of them. You know, we got some good bills. Call here. them up. Some cool stuff going on. Yeah. You do. Yeah. Call them up. Oh, I do. So I talk to call up, call up the show. Yeah. Any call, contacts you want to have, to uh, feel free. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay. So, uh, you know, the usual stuff, Bianca for San Francisco.org. Uh, we have a link tree as well. Uh, it's called Bianca and then four SF. But ultimately, if you just Google Bianca for San Francisco or um, Bianca von Krieg, you'll find all of our stuff. We're doing some great things. Uh, <clears throat> In addition to taking down Pelosi, we're also working with a lot of minority groups to uplift their situation. And our current project is called Project Notebook, which is training high school students in politically um, non-partisan skills they can work with Mm -hmm. in politics. So um, look for that. And uh, that's the way it is because that's the way they want it. And we'll see you guys hmm. next that's week. A, that's a good saying. You, that you should make that your, your like, definitely closing line. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. It, that's okay. the way it is because that's the way they want it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, very that's true. my time and I am out of here. I'll see you next yeah. week, Greg. Thanks, Bianca. Appreciate your report. This is great. Yeah. Love talking to you. You take care. Thanks. All right. Bye. Bye now. So, again, a crowded day. I love Wednesdays. Um, we start off with uh, Bill Fecky and then to uh, Wendy Arthur and then to Bonnie Nesbitt and then to Bianca Von Creek. So we cover everything. We've got, uh, you know, Bill's local political report to Wendy's Oh My God report to Bonnie's uh, The B Word, which is more of a conservative Christian report, to Bianca's report, which is progressive socialist report. And we get everything covered. And it's fascinating uh, just to have all these different places where we agree and disagree. Um, and there we go. Got not too much to play. I got some of my commercials in earlier. So let me just play uh, a couple of things for you, particularly our contact information. Uh, and then um, we'll be at our classical piece for Wednesday, uh, Beethoven's Fifth. And then I'll see you all tomorrow at 7 a.m. Central Time, where we will do it all again. Here is your Action Radio contact and website information. The call-in line is 215-383-3832. Our show site is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Same link, live and a podcast. Please share all our shows. We have live chat at the bottom of the broadcast page available worldwide. 
sign in to your free account and type away. We have an internet Skype line where you can call the show worldwide also. Please see the broadcast page for our Skype name. Call in during the show to get approved. Our bill writing site is writeyourlaws.com, W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S, writeyourlaws.com. This is where anyone can write a bill and start the process of it becoming law. My paid and free subscription column is at gregpenglis.substack.com. Please consider a paid subscription of $5 per month or greater. For contributions to Action Radio, please go to givesendgo.com slash actionradio. We have over 20 Action Radio Facebook groups. Use the Facebook search window by putting in Action Radio to find our groups. My public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com. Please contact me about advertising on Action Radio and helping our mission of freedom. Thank you for listening. And if you want to help sponsor us, here's a bit more um, on that. Here at Action Radio, we are looking for sponsors. We have 30 and 60 second spots available for your announcements. And we have three minute live call-ins to talk about your products and services available. Action Radio is the next evolution beyond talk radio. Join us and let us help your business evolve. Think about being a sponsor of the future and not just a listener and help us help your business grow as you help us plunge headlong into breaking new ground here on Action Radio every day. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Panklos Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. 
Thank you.